Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're more than a couple weeks into the new year here, and how are your New Year's resolutions doing? I know a lot of us, I'm among them, want to eat healthier when I get through the holidays, and I want to eat better. I just want to eat higher quality ingredients and better meals that aren't boring. And there is a way to do that right now with the new sponsor of this program. It's called Factor. It's a meal delivery service that keeps you from having to spend time in line at the grocery store or hunched over the stove or trying to order from a restaurant when it's going to take 45 minutes to get there and you're hungry right now. Well, Factor checks all those boxes. These are great meals to eat while watching pro wrestling shows because you don't need a lot of meal prep. You get home from work and you don't want to cook. You don't want to run through the same drive through You want to have a high-quality meal that you feel good about and that makes you feel good afterwards while you're watching wrestling on weekday nights. This meal delivery service is perfect for that. Factor makes it easy for me to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves me time by delivering chef-crafted meals to my doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention cleanup. There's no dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with more than 27 meal options each week, you'll never be bored. As many of you know, for over 12 years, I've eaten a primarily vegan diet. I've wild fish every now and then. They offer vegan and veggie meals in addition to keto meals as well as lower calorie meals, plus cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. I've chosen the vegan options, and they just look delicious. When you go to their website, your mouth's going to water. The Korean tofu and veggie bowl, vegetarian tamale bowl, Indian-style vegetable rice, and tomato roasted and vegetable risotto are all on the menu this week, and I am looking forward to trying those dishes. Whatever kind of diet you eat, they have options for you, including garlic herb salmon, sun-dried tomato chicken, kettle mushroom burger, and more. Check out their delicious meals online and I'm confident you're going to want to order these and try these out, head to go.factor75.com slash plans and use code WADE120 to get $120 off your first five weeks of meals. That's code WADE120. WADE120 gets you $120 off your first five weeks of meals. Again, the website is go.factor75.com slash plans. That's go.factor75.com slash plans for $120 off.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sunday, it's Wrestling Night in America here on PWTorchDailyCast.com. Good Sunday evening for February, what is it now? Uh, 5th, uh, 6th, 2022. You take a weekend uh, to go on vacation across the country and you lose all track of what day it is. So it is February 6th, 2022. I am Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Greg Parks. This is PW Torch Wrestling Night in America, part of the Daily Cast lineup here on the Torch. Uh, so glad to be back here with you. Um, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about this week. We always talk about the big shows in pro wrestling. If you haven't listened to the post-Royal Rumble live cast from last weekend, last Saturday night, in fact, I uh, encourage you to do so. Um, just uh, really excited to be here and, and talking pro wrestling and excited to be joined by my co-host this week uh, for the first time in a long time, a long time former PWTorch.com contributor, uh, Tony D'Onofrio. I believe this is Tony. Uh, it's the right area code, not the right phone number, but Tony, is this you? If you can hear me, that's me. I can hear you. It's you. Well, Tony, uh, welcome back to Wrestling Night in America. It's been a while. It's it's good to talk to you uh, once again about uh, the crazy world of professional wrestling. Uh, happy as always to be here. I'm thrilled to be on with you. And um, real quick, I don't want to monopolize too much time on this. I uh, wanted to quickly get your thoughts on uh, Doug Peterson for the Jaguars. Oh, yes. Um, the, the entire process, um, was just a complete, uh, bungled situation. Uh, really embarrassing. You know, when you think that you've reached your lowest 
as a fan of a team, somehow they keep going going lower, and that seems to be what happened. Byron Leftwich was always my first choice, partly because it would get rid of Trent Balky, who who no one says anything positive about, and yet he's still there as general manager. Uh, but to be honest with you, of the the people that the Jaguars interviewed or were attached to in terms of having interest in, Doug Peterson was number two in in my list of, of who I wanted to see become head coach behind Byron Leftwich. So they ended up making a good choice uh, if it wasn't going to be Leftwich, but the route that it, they took to get there um, did not improve the Jaguars' standing or Shad Khan's standing in the eyes of, of people who cover the NFL and from what you hear, people inside the NFL did not, did not improve – uh, the optics of the organization after the Urban Meyer debacle. No, it, it certainly didn't. And from what I'm understanding or what I've read is that Leftwich is looking to go to the Bucks. He's hoping that Arians is going to maybe stick around a year, maybe more, maybe less, I should say, or another year or so, and then work his way into that. So not your top choice, but uh, Peterson's won a Super Bowl in the last five years. So it's, hey, it's not a terrible choice. Yeah, and, and a real shift from Urban Meyer, the the pomp and circumstance, and just the blowhardedness that Urban Meyer brought. I think, and that's what they really needed um, a, a 180 from that. So, so they got it here. Um, Tony, uh, as I said, uh, good to have you back. I know it's been a while since you've been on here. Um, you and I go way back in terms of collaborating on audio to the show that I hosted before. I. I came to Wrestling Night in America um, on Sunday nights with Pat McNeil, and that was Moonlighting with Greg Parks, where uh, the the setup was similar to Wrestling Night in America that we have now, where I would bring in contributors from the the torch, and we would talk about some of the the television shows and recap those shows, some of those shows that that did not get a lot of love on, uh, on audio or in written form. So a lot of the secondary wrestling shows, and uh, Tony, you were a frequent guest on there, and, and you've been on Wrestling Night in America a couple times. So uh, glad to have you back. I, I termed you former PWTorch.com contributor. I know in our conversations that you are looking to get back into covering wrestling again. I want to be as accurate as possible. So I was wondering if you had um, gotten back on board with the torch, or is that still kind of in the process of, of taking care of itself? Uh, to be honest with you, I am not sure. Uh, I'm still quote-unquote, a free agent. I've also been talking to Jason Powell. So <laughs> it could be one or the other, because I know Jason's supposed to talk to me this week as well. But uh, the Torch and ProWrestling.net are kind of brother-slash-sister companies. I, I always seem that way. So either way, if, if I do end up uh, helping out Jason Powell instead, it's not like I, I feel like that's an extended family more than anything. So, um, so I feel I hopefully one way or the other in the next week or two, uh, this all gets sorted out. <laughs> That's good. Uh, it'll good. It'll be good to have you back uh, covering wrestling again and, and hearing your thoughts on things, Tony. And um, we'll, we'll start that tonight. So if uh, you would like to call in, if you're listening live, 515-605-9345 is the number to call. You can press 1 to show up in the queue, and uh, we'll, we'll call on you. Uh, if you just want to call up and listen, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. If you can't hang on the line or you're not listening live, you can always, always email us, and we'll get to your email questions 
question on the very next show, uh, WNIALivecast at gmail.com. If you are listening live and you get your email in before the end of the show, I have it up on my phone as we talk here tonight, so I will get to it tonight. So uh, timeliness is important in the world of professional wrestling because sometimes a week or two can go by and it, it changes the whole course of the landscape out there for some companies. So, um, Tony, I, I want to start with the Rumble fallout. Um, which we saw on television this week on Raw and SmackDown. The Royal Rumble winners have already chosen their destinations for WrestleMania. Sometimes WWE likes to drag that out for a few weeks or even months before that's officially announced, but it appears we have our two matches so far. Uh, Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. Rousey had initially chosen Becky Lynch, but Charlotte seemed to goad her into choosing her on SmackDown, and Rousey took the bait. So it will be Rousey versus Flair. And, of course, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Now, the only question there is, will it be title versus title? Because Brock Lesnar is in the title chamber match uh, WWE title chamber match at the Elimination paper uh, Elimination Chamber pay-per-view or premium live event. It, that's going to be... It doesn't roll off the tongue like pay-per-view, so I may just continue calling it pay-per-view and let the WWE lawyers come after me. Um, so we'll see if Lesnar wins in the chamber in Saudi Arabia. He is a participant there. Uh, so, uh, Tony, I think these were the matches we kind of anticipated coming out of the Rumble. I know these were the two that I keyed on uh, in the Rumble post-show last week as the expected course of direction. Uh, do you think it's the right course? Do any of these surprise you? What's your initial thoughts on the uh, choices that the Rumble winners made? I will start with the men's, only because I have more to say about the women's. The men's, I feel like... You know, this is the story that WWE has been telling for, what, six, eight, nine months now, that it doesn't surprise me that this is where we ended up. Uh, the extra caveat that we might get a title for title um, does make it a little juicier. I mean, they got 100,000 tickets to sell over you know, the course of two days that is going to be very tough for them to do. So making this a, a winner-take-all, um, it, it doesn't surprise me that we're going to get Roman and Brock uh, like I said, I think everyone was expecting that is, um, is the matchup. Um, the only important thing coming out of that will be is will this, you know, undisputed or unified, whatever they decide to call it, if it goes that way, will it mean something this time? Every time they seem to combine titles, you know, over the course of WWE history, at least the last 20, 22 years, whatever it is, since Jericho did it the first time, Chris Jericho, uh, it seemed to have meant nothing because then a few months later they split them back up or they find a way to, to do that. So, um, like I said, the men's one didn't really surprise me. The women's one, I just, I didn't like the choice. I felt like the, the built in story, I know it's three years removed was to go back to Becky and Rhonda. Uh, I felt like there was some unfinished business there. I mean, obviously if you pay close enough attention, the, even the, that match got botched at the end, the finish was botched. I felt like that was the, the story they, they should have continued. And if, um, um, to believe what's out there, they're going to, you know, work towards that uh, for next year's WrestleMania, which I believe is in Lo uh, Los Angeles. That's right. So, um, to me, I would have gone with Becky and Ronda. I, uh, and if, did, was anyone really, really surprised or was anyone really buying into the, um, the end of SmackDown a couple nights ago where Becky uh, supposedly reached out to Sonya Deville and, 
really, you know, said that, oh, yeah, uh, Ronda's facing me. And then the, the, they tried to go with the swerve there. I, I, I can't believe they really believed anyone was going to fall for that. That was not, you know, they promised that Ronda was actually going to make this announcement. There was that whole end of SmackDown seemed a little wonky in terms of how they did that. Uh, but I, part of me wanted to believe it, but I, as soon as they did it that way, I just knew for a fact that we were getting Ronda versus Charlotte. And personally, I would have rather seen Ronda versus Becky. I thought that was the story that we, we should be going forward with, but Hey, uh, I guess that's, that's next year's story. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Cast listeners. Thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also every Saturday we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, going back to what you said about Reigns versus Lesnar and the potential to combine the titles, I really don't see the advantage in that. 
Um, I, I think that Roman Reigns could be a guy where WWE looks at him and says, his story is getting over so much and he's doing such a good job, why not have him on both shows? And if you combine the championships and you only have one champion, that champion is going to appear on both shows. And all of a sudden, you don't have to come up with two sets of challengers, which WWE has had a really tough time of late building someone up to be a credible challenger to the point that they had to transport Seth Rollins from Raw to SmackDown specifically to face Roman Reigns at Royal Rumble because they just didn't have anyone built up. So it, it puts a Band-Aid on that issue where, where WWE all of a sudden now they only need to come up with one challenger uh, because they only have one championship as opposed to one for each brand. So it, it does that, but I'm not sure you want to ex- overexpose Roman Reigns that way. I'm, I'm fine with two WWE titles, and so, you know, the WWE title and the Universal title. So I'm not really keen on the idea of, and we don't know that that's the direction. Uh, we could be seeing, you know, um, champion versus champion without the titles being combined. That's a possibility, too. And, you know, all of this conversation could be for naught because Lesnar might end up losing in the chamber. Uh, some sort of Roman Reigns or Usos-related um, interference could cause him to lose. So what's your take on the potential of a combined championship? Do you think that's what they could be doing? Do you think it would be a good idea? I'm actually thrilled that you asked me that question because I've had so many thoughts on this for such a long time, and as we talked about earlier, not really an outlet. So if it were me, and this is my company, here comes the fantasy booking, of course. Um, I'm all for one world champion per company. I don't, I don't like that there's two. I never have. And for me, I mean, this is a problem WWE's had for quite some time. Uh, their mid-card means nothing. Um, I would love to see one, quote-unquote, traveling champion that works both brands. If you're really wanting to ke- to keep the brand split after you keep uh, after you combine these titles, at that point, then you actually have an opportunity to elevate those mid card titles that no one cares about right now. Shinsuke Nakamura's the Intercontinental Title, if you know <laughs> he hasn't defended that title in what almost six eight weeks now, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, the United States Title. I felt like they had something going with Damian Priest at the end of the summer. He was unpinned, undefeated, and then he randomly loses a match last month to, to Kevin Owens on Raw that you know ended his undefeated streak. I really believe, and I would do the same thing with the women's titles. I feel as though there should be one champion for one company. Let that champion, if you would insist on keeping this brand split, let the champion work both brands, and then really elevate those, ti- those mid-card titles. Especially for the men's side, the Intercontinental, the United States title, you know, what if you had something, and I'm just throwing out three big names, you know, you have Roman Reigns as your undisputed champion, and then on one brand you have Big E as your uh, Intercontinental champion, and you have uh, Seth Rollins, we'll say, as your United States champion. You know, you're elevating your mid-card right there, just by just the name value. Um, And then I would love to see something similar done with the the women's titles. I'd like to see one women's title, and then – and like I said, unfortunately, you are creating more titles for the women, which at this point they don't have, if you really want to. Uh, I'd say you still have one women's title, and then if you could get that depth back that they had a couple years ago, maybe not by releasing half the roster, uh, you, you do create uh, uh, 
a mid-card women's title on each brand. But that's only if they have the depth, which they don't really have right now. So, like I said, for me, I think one one title, one world champion, one company. I'm not a fan of the, the two-belt thing. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point in terms of it could end up, if they do combine them, elevating the mid-card titles. And I think that's important, too. So that could be – and a lot of it could be the fallout, you know, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, Tony. If they do combine the titles, what does that mean for the brand split? What does that mean for the women's titles? Do they combine them as well or are they separate? So there's a lot of dominoes that may fall if they do go that direction with combining the titles, but we'll just have to wait and see. I want to move to Flair versus Rousey here, uh, and I know you didn't like that uh, Rousey chose Flair. Um, I guess my thing is I would rather see Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair and have Rousey versus Charlotte Flair, and I, I think that's the direction they're going. You never know with WWE, but if it's that as opposed to Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair versus question mark, they're just really, and I think that's part of the problem on SmackDown. There really is no one. Sasha Banks, you know, is she going to be healthy enough? We saw her in the rumble. So, uh, you know, perhaps she would be healthy enough to face uh, Charlotte Flair. Bailey is a question mark. She's been out injured, did not appear in the rumble as some had uh, predicted, but she is supposed to be, ready by the time WrestleMania rolls around. I, I think Flair versus Rousey and Lynch versus Belair is stronger in my mind, partly because you're, you're going back to the, the Belair-Lynch story from the summer where Lynch came in and sort of swiped the title out from under Belair at SummerSlam, and you're not searching. You know, I think that's, that's a stronger matchup than Flair versus Banks would be on SmackDown if you went with Rousey against Lynch. So I, my opinion, you know, I, I certainly can understand if you disagree. Um, but to me, I, I'm, I'm happy with things ended up provided it is, in fact, Belair versus Lynch at WrestleMania. Yeah, no, I could see your point. I mean, there's, cert- there's certainly something to be said for the, the long-term, long, for me to say, long-term storytelling that you're doing with Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. So there's nothing wrong with that as well. Um, but it's funny, you kind of you kind of said the same thing twice in terms of creating challengers, creating stars, and it's kind of funny how you, you placed it when we were talking about Roman Reigns and his lack of challengers, and then you kind of come around to the same thing with Charlotte Flair, lack of challengers. This is a, a big problem WWE has, is just creating credible challengers, creating credible stars, and the, the funny part of it is if you look at both sides of it, it's creating credible and um, believable baby faces, especially Charlotte Flair, Roman Reigns. They're, I mean, they're, they're bona fide heels. There's no question about it. But it's, it seems like they, WWE with that star-making, especially baby face-making machine, it's something that's a big problem. And they, they don't seem to address it, and I'm sure we'll touch on it later. They end up bringing people back like Ronda. Uh, they, you know, they keep going back to the well with uh, Lesnar, even though it's, I mean, it's a recurring well. And then even Bill Goldberg. It's, you know, they can't create new baby faces, so they have to kind of dig up the old ones that worked in the past and see what works. And it's, like I said, I'm kind of morphing one topic to the next, but that to me that's a bigger WWE problem all around, not just in, uh, you know, the women's division with Charlotte Flair. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Part of the, the lack of challengers, and you look at when Lashley had the title on on Raw, and you had Seth Rollins and, and Kevin Owens were the top guys, and they're both heels now. And so it's you know, Big E was your top babyface, and now he's back in the tag team ranks with New Day on SmackDown. So you know, mm-hmm. for, a, for a company and a brand starving for top babyface stars, it makes the booking of Big E even stranger in terms of just moving him back to, to SmackDown to team with Kofi Kingston. I'm not sure I, I quite get that one. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about these key matchups later on. We'll, we'll preview. Well, not preview. That's for next week. But we'll talk a little bit about the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, what we know so far. We'll also talk about AEW. They've got a big show coming up on Wednesday night with Hangman Adam Page against Lance, Ar- Lance Archer in a lights-out match for the AEW Championship. But first... We go back to the phones, the 814 area code. I shouldn't say back to the phones. This is our first caller for the evening. So let's say hello to Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland. Ryan, welcome to Wrestling Night in America. What's your first of your three-pack of questions for us? Hi. First question is, do you know the reason why the men's Royal Rumble was 10 minutes shorter than the women's? Was it to do with not wanting to pay like a fine for going over, or was there more to that? I I think that speaks to, first of all, how haphazardly the Rumble was reportedly put together. Uh, it could be something to do with Kofi Kingston's off-schedule elimination. We know that he was supposed to be interacting with Big E more during that. The other thing is, you know, it was a Rumble that did not have a lot of stories that needed extended time. And I think it was a Rumble that just... You know, I, I said it last week, it wasn't very good. So when, when there's a rumble without a lot going on, they're going to speed up the intervals to make it seem like more things are happening more often. And I think that's what kind of happened is the intervals just got sped up a lot more. And it, you didn't have the extended fight at the end like you sometimes do. And so all of that sort of conspired to, to make it a shorter rumble. You know, you had the women's rumble where they had some longer entrances, the special guest stars who did uh, had to get their spots in, in in the women's rumble, and it just may have been timed out better uh, because of that, Tony. Uh, what do you think yeah. about the men's rumble going so short? Is it one or all of those reasons or maybe something I didn't even think about? It, it actually was my understanding that they were in a rush to get off the air, and that's why – even the end with Drew and Bobby, or I'm sorry, Drew and um, Brock Lesnar uh, felt so rushed and there really wasn't much of a back and forth and it was kind of, you know, a quick climax on that and Drew gets dumped over the top rope. So from what I was, what I've been led to believe is that they did have to rush to get off the air and that they didn't work some of the intervals shorter where they could have, or, you know, you're talking about 30 men entering the rumble and uh, if they're, you know, if they worked, you can you know you can shave time off some of these intervals even if you shave off you know 10 seconds times 30 you're looking at another 3 minutes if you'd have done uh, instead of 90 seconds do the intervals at 80 seconds um and you would have given uh, the talent three more minutes and it doesn't seem like a lot but you could tell a lot more of that story at least for the the main part of the uh the main story they're trying to tell with Lesnar with an extra 3 minutes at the end of the rumble um that's what I've been, you know, led to believe happened during that rumble. And and it's kind of sad because, as you stated, there weren't any stories that really came out of that rumble. And that's one of those things that you kind of look forward to every year is 
how many mini stories or other mid card stories we're going to get to come out of a rumble, and it, it just didn't happen this year. Mm-hmm. All right, Ryan, back to you for your second question. My uh, second question is: I heard a rumor on a story that WWE contacted AEW, not the Shane McMahon, and possibly even Triple H, even if they become available. Like, what's their uh, contract status? Like, do they have that ninety-day no compete, or do they have a different deal with? Federation considering their family members. Well, I can't imagine they would contact AEW about Triple H because, as far as I know, he's still in the company. So I, I don't know, unless I missed something over the weekend while I was gone. I, I know Shane McMahon was um, got the boot from his, his talent contract, and he doesn't have any other contract with um, with WWE. But I, I I see no reason why they would contact AEW about Triple H because he's still under contract. So uh, that seems a little sketchy to me, Tony. Yeah, no, I I don't have a lot to add to that. The Triple H thing is not worth really getting into because, like you said, he's he's a board member, basically, for WWE. Yeah. The Shane McMahon one is a, is a little bit interesting mm-hmm. because, as you stated, he was on a strict talent contract. He hasn't had any dealings with uh, corporate since – Anywhere between 2009 to 2013, depending on, you know, what you believe. So, I mean, if they really wanted to go out there and bring in Shane McMahon for, like, a a quick ratings pop or something like that, sure, why not? But I I don't see any value in doing it if I'm Tony Khan and AEW anyway. And we're going to talk about that situation more in just a minute. But, uh, Ryan, back to you for your third and final question for us. My uh, final question is on the death of Vince's mom. I heard that her uh, body was buried in Evansburg, PA, which is like 50 minutes up the street from where I grew up. So is there like a backstory on Vince McMahon having ties to Evansburg? Or I know you built the tennis courts up there. Besides that, is there anything else you know about any association to that area? Uh, nothing I know about Vince is I don't know anything about his mother, though, in terms of where she was. I mean, this could be more about where she was living at the time. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know where she had grown up or anything like that. So, um, yeah, Tony, I, I don't know if you have any more insight, but I, I would think it, you know, maybe Vince doesn't have the association with that area, but maybe his mother does in some way. I'd love to be able to add something, but I don't want to waste any, any of our time on that and. I'm just going to say I no, I have no insight to that, unfortunately. All right. Uh, Ryan, thanks for the phone call tonight, and look forward to hearing from you again soon. Okay, thanks for taking the call. Of course. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day every day to keep up on breaking news and more. That's pwtorch.com. I want to go back to Shane McMahon because I I think that took uh, a lot of people by surprise, Tony. Um, His exit from WWE, the way it happened, and if you listen, if you're a VIP member and you listen to Wade Keller's um, uh, audio update about the uh the shane mcmahon situation he had a lot of insight backstage notes uh about the departure of shane mcmahon um you know shane has uh, there have been times in his run more often lately where he has 
been booked be bigger in terms of an actual wrestling star than a lot of the top talent, and or at least on par with. Instead of being booked as this outsider with very limited wrestling training, he's a McMahon family member, that's why he's here, can he outmaneuver and outsmart his clearly better competition? And this goes back to, I remember watching uh, a live Raw in, in Buffalo one time, and he was fighting off, like, I don't know if it was Legacy or, or whatever Randy Orton group was around at the time, like, single-handedly fighting them off. And I'm sitting there live thinking, this is, this is ridiculous. How is Shane McMahon doing this? And I think over time, fans have just been conditioned to turn off their brains and, when it comes to Shane McMahon. And they're saying, oh, well, you know, he's in a cage match with The Undertaker going toe-to-toe. Well, it's Shane McMahon. You know, it, that's kind of the – we just kind of throw up our hands when it comes time for that. But I had never heard any stories of him like we heard coming out of the Rumble, Tony, where he was just put himself over and – you know, to, not listening to the agents who were trying to put together the match with him, and to the point where Vince just finally had enough <laughs> and basically told him to take a hike, which is hard to believe because the WWE so desperately wants to hang on to these stars for WrestleMania season, and like it or not, Shane McMahon is one of those stars they like to bring back for WrestleMania season, to the point where he was rumored to be in a WWE title match with Seth Rollins at WrestleMania before this whole thing blew up, so... Just, I mean, your take on this whole Shane McMahon exit from WWE and all the reporting, reporting that's been done on it, and just, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be sorry to see him go, especially, you know, last year's lead-up was just so bad. I remember that promo he cut on Raw where it was just meandering, and he was doing all these awkward pauses, and it just seemed like it was like some of the worst television of the year. So I, I'm not going to miss him from that point of view, but just... Looking at it from WWE's point of view, it is very interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to think what Wade used to Wade Wade used to say something really funny. What did he say? Uh, Shane would come back and play like fantasy wrestler because he always got to do the high spots with the, you know, because he'd come back, he'd do his high spots, get to have his fun, and then wrestle maybe once every three months or something like that. So he could do all the crazy stuff and not have to worry about mm-hmm. the consequences. And I mean, that's yep. in the past. You know, and then you talk about last year, the the program with Braun was terrible. Um, like, I, I can't add anything more than what you already said, the, especially that promo that one night on Raw was just awful. And you go back even a few more years where they had seemingly, you know, WWE's not big on tournaments when they did their best in the world tournament. And it seemed like, okay, it, it, it felt okay for WWE standards. And then somehow he inputs himself or inserts himself back into the the final and becomes the the champion of that tournament. And I I hate to say he's overstayed his welcome. Maybe it's just you know five years ago when he came back, fans were thrilled, and now he's worked himself into a point where fans don't want to see him anymore. And and it, you even look at the Rumble on Sunday. He he eliminated Kevin Owens, and I that was my biggest groan moment of the night. And he eliminates Kevin Owens. And for what reason? And maybe that was going to be the feud going into WrestleMania. I know we've already seen that, though. Um, I, you know, I hate to, I'm not going to wish ill will upon him, but getting, 
Shane McMahon out of there at this point, it was probably best for business to, to use the old line from the authority. It just, um, it was, it's probably overdue at this point, but I don't even know what else more to add because if he was really going against agents in the back when he's a strictly out of talent contract and he, you know, basically nepotism, you know, I'm Vince McMahon's son. That's what it sounded like. If we're to believe the rumors, um, there's no, you know, there's no room for that. And it's bad enough that the last few years happened. And then to have him be the one to eliminate Kevin Owens this past Sunday out of nowhere, really, it was just a, he reversed an Irish whip and eliminated uh, yeah. Kevin Owens. And that just made me groan yeah. so bad. And I couldn't believe what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even with all that, it still is somewhat surprising, even though, you know, again, it's Vince McMahon, he's pretty ruthless, <laughs> but, uh, to oust his son like that, and, and they've had their differences in the past, so I, I don't know. It's just just a strange situation all around, and it's interesting to see if this will be Shane's last hurrah in professional wrestling or if WWE will bring him back. I, I think I agree with you um, when you when you answer the question about AEW and Shane McMahon. Is it worth it for Tony Khan to do this? I, if, I, if Shane McMahon had a good reputation amongst the hardcore fans that AEW caters to, I think you might think about it. But I think he's just so, I think fans are just so over him at this point. The fans, at least, Mm -hmm. again, that that AEW caters to, yes, it would be a huge moment to see Shane McMahon, like, you know, Shane McMahon walking out on WCW Nitro in the final episode or something like that. It would be wild, and it it would get people talking and... So I guess Tony Khan has to weigh that against what's the value of having Shane McMahon, even if it is a one-off or, you know, he comes in for one night and then wrestles a match the next week and maybe that's it. I don't know. What's the value of that versus poking the bear of WWE and Vince McMahon? You know, do you, do you really want to go mm-hmm. that far? Khan has shown that he's not afraid to, to do that. He's, you know, maybe not, maybe not Eric Bischoff at the height of the Monday Night Wars level of doing that, but he's not certainly not afraid. He has a lot of confidence in his product, um, but that may be a little over the line as, as how would WWE might view it. So I don't know. Just a lot of psychology going into this one to see whether or not it would be worth it. Lots of pros and cons here um, in terms of AEW getting involved and even reaching out, if, if that's even something Shane would want to do, and it may not be. Uh, so that, that would halt all negotiations right there. Um, back to and, the and phone. And i hey, Greg. Yeah, hey, Greg, Tony, go ahead. And if, and, if, and if it were to be true, this is the one case I know they always say, you know, try to, try to surprise the audience, try to surprise your fans. This is one that I'm, I'm announcing ahead of time. I'm putting it out a day ahead of time, two days ahead of time, and saying, hey, look who's coming to – dynamite on wednesday because if you're going to pop a rating you need you promote that one because that is, yeah. as much as you don't want to see it as a as a wrestling fan it's going to pop that's got to you would think that's going to pop a rating just for shock value i mean i hate to say shock value but then promotion in the same sentence it's kind of just like i'm contradicting myself but to see shane mcmahon in the middle of an aew ring that's something i'm promoting to to get the eyeballs not i'm not trying to surprise people with that one yeah, for sure, absolutely, because that might be that that might be your your watermark for your for your ratings, high watermark there. Um, mm-hmm. Just just the the looky lose tuning in to see what's he going to say and what's he going to do and that sort of thing. So I think you're probably right there. Uh, back to the phones, the four one zero area code, Reverend Keith from Baltimore, Maryland. Reverend Keith, welcome to Wrestling Night in America tonight. Um, happy to have you along with us. What's on your mind tonight? 
Thank you very much, Greg. Uh, nice to talk with you, Tony, and welcome back to The Torch. Um, I definitely agree with some of your thoughts and your input, especially with the fact when you mentioned that you would like to see one traveling champion. I'm, I'm actually on board with you, Tony, because I feel that this brand split has been a disaster, and I think we need to just bring both shows back together. Um, but I do not think that they will go in that direction. I'm actually uh, predicting that Bobby Lashley will retain through nefarious means and that uh, Brock versus Roman will be for the universal title. Now, um, I think Greg already summed it up that they could have uh, the Usos or uh, Paul Heyman or, or even some new character come out and um, interfere in that uh, elimination chamber. So um, I know we'll be predicting that next weekend, but uh, what, what are your thoughts, uh, Tony, as far as Bobby Lashley perhaps retaining um, in Saudi Arabia? I would personally, like, if you're not going to go the unified route title, then, yeah, I'm not changing the title again because, you know, frankly, they didn't do Bobby any favors last week with that finish. You know, I, I felt like Bobby, going back the last couple of years, you know, he was one of the most protected guys in the company, not just on Raw, but in the company, uh, particularly when he held the U.S. title for almost, what, almost a year he didn't take any pinfalls. He didn't submit, get submitted. He beats Drew McIntyre as WWE champion up until his loss. Like I said, that U.S. title run and that WWE title run that he had you know, up through uh, the end of summer last year, he was one of the most protected guys in the company. And he was, he was like I said, he's legit. He's believable. I think Bobby Lashley's a hell of a talent. Um, based on the fact that you know, they didn't do any, him any favors last week, when he, the way that he uh, won that title back. Um, I would like to see him, personally, I'd like to see him go over, you know, clean and strong. But the, the problem is <laughs> you, you inserted Brock Lesnar into that match. If you didn't have Lesnar in that match, I think Lashley just runs through the other five opponents. Um, maybe WWE can get creative, find a way to, to pull Lesnar from that match. I don't think it's going to happen. That's very wishful thinking. Um, but... To your point before, you know, maybe maybe uh, Roman Reigns or the Usos, somebody like that comes out and finds a way to, you know, to, to cost um, Lesnar that match. And But I, I'm with you. If they're going to keep the, the title separate, I got, you know, Lashley needs to go over and needs to defend that title at WrestleMania. Are you guys still there? I'm still here. Yes, still still here, Reverend. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I I just jumping in on that topic. Um, I I kind of agree. Um, I would like to see Lashley win. I'm in the minority here, and I'm I'm cool with having two titles. Um, you know, it, there is one world title and one universal title, so they are they are differently named, I guess, even though they act as the same on each brand. But um, I, I would like to see. Lashley uh, win this, and and it, it's interesting because you know we'll talk about this after Reverend Keith's call, but um, the idea of having Lashley defend the WWE Championship inside the chamber rather than find his opponent for WrestleMania via the chamber, which is how it's traditionally been done, uh, certainly would make you think that Lesnar may end up winning the title here. But I, I do agree with Tony. I think if Lesnar 
by putting Lesnar in this match, it's creating a lot more doubt that Lashley could win as opposed to, you know, if you had replaced Lesnar with pick anyone on the Raw roster you put in there. And and that would certainly change the dynamic greatly of this match. So um, it's certainly a lot to, to talk about going into that. We'll preview it next week on Wrestling Night in America. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping Lashley wins just because he has done such a great job as WWE champion. And even though his win over Lesnar came with an asterisk at uh, Royal Rumble, it, it could be the jumpstart he needs to really look strong heading into WrestleMania season. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Uh, Reverend Keith, back to you for your follow-up and your second question for us. Well, it's good that all three of us agree that we would like to see Lashley retain, and I want to take you back to a comment that was made by Brock, and this is the reason why I think Brock may not win the title at Elimination Chamber on the 19th. Brock said that he would like to go into WrestleMania at title versus title. The authorities being uh, um, Adam Pearce and Sonya never mentioned it, uh, the commentators didn't mention it. Brock brought it up. So it wasn't something that was uh, uh, immediately uh, dropped from, like, the office, so to speak. So that's why I'm thinking that was Brock's desire to do that. So if they get creative, I could see them having lastly retained. And if I recall, I don't know if it was uh, Daniel Bryan when he was in WWE as champion, or Randy Orton, but somewhere between the years 2017 and 2019, there was a successful title defense inside the Elimination Chamber, um, and I recall that specifically. I think it was Daniel Bryan, but I might be wrong. So it has happened before where the champion has gone as the underdog into the chamber and has come out uh, champion. Um, we'll have to look that up, but I, know, I, I recall that. Now, shifting gears, Tony and uh, Greg, um, to AEW, I loved the fire promo which Adam Cole delivered uh, after his uh, match with uh, Evil Uno on uh, Rampage. I think that's the Adam Cole we need. That's the Adam Cole fans have, 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 have uh, learned to expect over the years from Ring of Honor to New Japan Pro Wrestling to NXT. He's a bona fide leader. He's a fireball, and he needed that edge. And um, I'm really hoping that he gets the title opportunity at Revolution. I know there are some pundits out there, Tony and Greg, who believe that um, MJF, by virtue of his win over Punk, or two wins, if you will, on the same night, uh, he deserves to be number one contender. But I feel that Adam Cole should get that title opportunity um, in March at Revolution. What are your thoughts on that? It, it certainly does seem like it's trending toward Adam Cole. I, I liked his promo after his uh, win, as you did, Reverend Keith, and I actually liked his promo Wednesday night. 
on Dynamite where he was kind of stuttering and he was trying to you know, compose himself and really find himself in the middle of that promo. I think that uh, shows that that loss to Orange Cassidy, even though Adam Cole may not want to admit it, even though it won't show up on his record, I think it affected him. And I think that's a good thing. So they, they certainly seem to be setting up in that direction. We may get an answer as soon as this Wednesday after uh, Adam Page takes on uh, Lance Archer in the Lights Out match. Um, or, or the Texas Death match, it might be, uh, one or the other. <laughs> They're both the same. For as, much as, for as much as we give WWE crap about naming the same match over and over again with different names, I think AEW is following suit there. Um, MJF, I think, it doesn't feel like his deal with Punk is done. So I think that there's a, that's a candidate still to be on the Revolution pay-per-view, uh, even though that's you know, still a month away. And I think you have to look at the Wardlow situation. Uh, if Wardlow turns on MJF somewhere in the next month, does that accelerate Wardlow versus MJF to Revolution? So I think you have two different directions, non-title directions, that MJF could conceivably go in, whereas with Adam Cole, you don't really have that. It does seem like Cole's sort of in a holding pattern, waiting till Adam Page gets past um, gets past Lance Archer, and then maybe um, that's when you see him really go gung-ho toward Adam Page. Uh, Tony, what's your take on the AEW title situation, and who's a more likely opponent for Adam Page, provided Page gets past Archer on Wednesday night? Do you think it is MJF, or is it um, Adam Cole? Well, a real quick side note. Remember, a lights-out match does not count towards your record, whereas the Texas Death match will. That's your difference right there. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, uh, I actually got into a brief – I wouldn't call it a quarrel because Sean Radican and I are pretty good buds um, – talking about the similarities in how AEW booked Miro upon his arrival and Adam Cole. Isn't it kind of funny? Like, they, go, they both went – anywhere from six to eight months, kind of goofing around, having some fun. And then all this, you know, like I said, and then something happens and it causes them to kind of snap their fingers and say, you know, what the hell have I been doing messing around so long? It's time to get serious. Having said that, I, I was thrilled both with I, you know, where the, the direction it went with Miro and now he's dealing with some, uh, some injuries. But same thing with Adam Cole. Um, I think Cole's going to be the next challenger. Uh, I, if last I checked, he's still the, the number one contender uh, because the lights out match, as I mentioned, <laughs> did not affect his record. He's technically still undefeated. Um, and then I, I got to agree with your points. Like there's still so many threads you could pull from when you talk about MJF, you could talk about if they do decide to, to pull that, the trigger on the, the Wardlow face turn, um, or even if they don't, you, you know, now uh, Punk has another mountain to climb if he wants to go after Wardlow because he was dominated so much in that last match with Wardlow that now over the next couple of weeks, maybe we get a Punk-Wardlow rematch, and that leads to a Punk rematch with MJF at uh, Revolution. And then maybe you get the, the Wardlow turn there, and then Wardlow maybe feuds with MJF between uh, Revolution and Double or Nothing. Or Like I said, there's so many threads that can come out of the MJF-Punk-Wardlow thing that, that I think you're right that, the, the immediate future for me seems to be Adam Cole. And personally, I might even pull the trigger on a title change there. Just because um, when you talk about Adam Page, um, I was actually at the Fight for the Fallen pay-per-view. Or I'm not pay-per-view, the TV special last, last July. 
uh, when it was in Charlotte. I was visiting some family, and I had to go to that show because why not? Um, <laughs> Adam Page at that point was so over. And, and I hate to say it's bad luck because you can never say the birth of a child is bad luck. But in terms of wrestling, the timing of that just, I think it threw off the whole story and push for Adam Page. And for me, I know I felt like maybe they owed it to him because he was going to get that title run. But title run to me has been a little underwhelming, despite the fact that he's had two epic matches with, with Brian Danielson. Um, I just feel like the timing ended up being off for this title run. And Adam Page is still relatively, relatively you know, young in terms of his wrestling career. I think there'll be a time again where he can get a second run. Let's all not forget Ric Flair's first title run was not anything to write home about either. Um, Adam Page, I think, is on route for a great career. But I would actually pull the trigger next month and actually put the title on Cole because let's not forget, Kenny Omega is going to come back. And I think that's a feud that you can walk right into uh, with those two guys considering the, the relationship there as well. And uh, Reverend Keith, back to you for your third and final question for us tonight. I love your analysis, Tony. Man, please stick around. <laughs> I hope to hear more from you, man. I, we, we are definitely on point, all three of us tonight. This is wonderful. <laughs> Listen, now, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, now, um, back to MJF. The match between he and Punk was very well laid out. Um, I was surprised that it went 39-16, um, but it had all the right spots, all the right drama. Uh, the, um, the initial finish was kind of uh, weird, but it, it told the story. Now, with that said, do you feel that MJF will get a return match against Punk, perhaps at Revolution, or will they move towards Punk versus Wardlow at Revolution since Wardlow was the one that handed MJF um, the diamond ring? I think it would be a better chance of Punk versus MJF. Um, I, I think even though MJF did dominate Punk in their one match, that Punk versus MJF in a rematch, I think fans want to see Punk shut MJF up more than they want to see Punk get revenge on Wardlow, partly because fans just want Wardlow to turn. I mean, he's already, if you watch his squashes, he's already getting cheered. So I'm not sure you want to put yeah. Punk against him. And, and so, you know, the other part of it, too, is if you do have that Wardlow, like, presuming Wardlow versus Punk at Revolution, or that's in the, the conversation, that means Wardlow is not turning between now and Revolution. And so... If you want to do a turn on the biggest stage, which would be pay-per-view, it would be hard to do a Wardlow turn if he's facing it off against Punk. It would be a lot easier to have MJF against Punk, MJF once again try to rely on Wardlow to help him get the victory over Punk, and Wardlow this time say, uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. He turns on MJF, Punk beats MJF, and boom, you're off and running with, a, with an MJF versus Wardlow feud. So... For all of those reasons, I think, uh, Tony, it's more likely we would see Punk versus MJF in a rematch at Revolution as opposed to uh, Punk versus Wardlow. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, um, and I feel like I'm someone. I'm going to turn into someone that's almost like name-dropping. <laughs> I was at the Beach Break show last week <laughs> in Cleveland because 
I live in Pittsburgh, and Cleveland's only a couple hours away, so again, why not? So I was at that show. Um, that's Wardlow's hometown. I was shocked that he did not turn that night. I really thought that was what, I don't know, I mean, I, to me, if it was just happenstance, I was like, this is the perfect place for him to turn babyface, and it didn't happen. Um, I think you're right. The best route is probably to do the Brie match, and somewhere along the lines, you know, towards the end of that feud, you know, Wardlow's going to turn. They've been teasing it for, wow, they've probably been teasing that for two years now. And it's just a matter of time. And uh, like I said, oh, man, it's it's tough, though, because I could see CM Punk also going back to that mountain, too, because he got dominated so bad. But like I said, to me, there's so many threads that can they could pull from here. I wouldn't be surprised to do it either way. But if it's me, I think I'm going back. To, uh, to MJF Punk sooner than later as well. All right, Reverend Keith, uh, any last follow-up for us on that? Yes, that is a match that we all would like to see, MJF versus Punk, too. And I definitely like your um, angle and potential storyline follow-up to the first match, Tony. Um, I could definitely see it going that way. And um, I, I hope that you have healed uh, I was just, um, Greg, I was just reading one of your tweets from earlier from skiing. Um, you know, I hope all is well, and I'm glad you made it back in time to host this show. Uh, this has been excellent, man. I've enjoyed it the most. And uh, have a good week, Tony. We definitely got to hear you again, man. And uh, thanks for taking my call. Have a lovely week, guys, and God bless. Thank you, Reverend Keith. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Uh, we'll definitely have Tony on again by popular request, let's call it. Um, yeah, I, I went, um, went skiing in Colorado uh, yesterday, and um, it was my first time at, at 37 years old and uh, with no training. Uh, so I just hopped out there and, and went for it. And um, all I'll say is I started at the top and I made it to the bottom. So that's and – I'm, and I'm here to tell my tale. So every, everything that happened in between uh, starting at the top and going to the bottom was not pretty. Um, I won't get into the details about, you know, things like how many times I fell or how I fell or um, what parts of my body are sore today. But, again, I, I made it home in one piece, no casts, no um, debilitating injuries. So I'll, I'll take that as a victory in that regard. Um, <laughs> I, I want to uh, – talk a little bit about we talked about Lashley defending the title in the chamber um Tony real quick on that before we go to the other match that's been announced for the chamber do you like that they are going with Lashley defending the title in the chamber or would you have preferred to see a number one contenders match in the chamber where the winner faces Lashley at Wrestlemania part of me thinks he's defending the title in the chamber because they really don't have an opponent for him for Saudi Arabia, for the Chamber pay-per-view. They don't have someone ready to face Lashley in a one-on-one -on -one match. And, and certainly in Saudi Arabia, with the money they're getting, you want to have all major champions defending their titles. And, and they just didn't have anyone ready for Lashley. So part of me thinks that's the reason they're doing it inside the Chamber. But I always look forward to the Chamber being the, the sort of number one contenders match. Um, what's your take on that uh, for this year, the, the way they're doing it? Um, no, I tend to agree with what you were saying earlier. Uh, I would have much rather seen this as a, as a number one contenders match rather than a title match. That seems to be the best way to do it. You know, um, 
it's kind of weird to me that, you know, in January you have 30 guys vying over a title um, or a title shot. And then, you know, the very next month, you know, you got five that are vying for, for the title itself. Or um, It's just, it's kind of crazy. I would have definitely gone, uh, gone the route of the number one content, contendership in the chamber. It's, you know, even though there's, there's six of them, you know, you're going to basically go through hell in that chamber to, to, to get that, that uh, opportunity. Not to mention, it's, you know, it comes back to also, I think WWE having too many masters to serve at this point. I hate, place, I've always hated the placement of the, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. I always thought that should be a bigger deal when you get guys in, into that type of situation. Um, and not to mention, the, the show's in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and they like to treat these Saudi shows, you know, even if um, they don't always come off um, with results as a big deal, they try to make them seem as though they're, you know, as big as WrestleMania or like almost an international type of WrestleMania. I wish the placement of some of these shows were more strategic, um, and I think that would help some of this as well. But uh, long answer, you know, to turn the short answer into a long one, I definitely would have gone with the number one contendership. Um, being done in the chamber and you know you got two months almost to the date now it's about what 50 maybe 59 60 days give or take i think we're somewhere in there um before wrestlemania you could build up someone very strong in two months and you know aew is a good example of that they find ways to to build people up for their pay-per-views you know anywhere from four to six weeks out and do a strong build before the end so it could have been done, and I wish that was the route they would have gone. Support us on Patreon starting at $4.99. Get these shows ad-free and bonus VIP content. That's $4.99 on Patreon. Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That is the quickest, cheapest, and easiest way to support us and enjoy these shows with a streamlined listening experience. The Wade Keller Post Shows, Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts, plus some random VIP bonus content. You could conceivably do that, but WWE has shown very little aptitude for that recently. So <laughs> that's more of like a theoretical right. thing for WWE than anything else. Um, also announced we have Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. Goldberg came out at the end of SmackDown challenging Roman Reigns for the Universal title in Saudi Arabia. Um, the, the whole match just seems like a non-sequitur. Like Goldberg, and, and I know that Goldberg was supposed to face Roman Reigns at, at that WrestleMania where, um, you know, the, the WrestleMania that was, uh, I think that was the one that the, was uh, done the in the Performance yep. Center. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, but, so that match was scheduled, didn't end up taking place, so they're kind of circling back to it here. It feels like we just saw Goldberg, and I think Goldberg is someone best used maybe once a year. <laughs> um, so it, it just feels – it doesn't feel authentic, I guess, like the, just the way this whole thing came about and, and everything like that. Um, but it's Saudi Arabia, and this is where the, the part-time stars come to play. And so – curious about your thoughts about how SmackDown ended with Goldberg coming on and um, also uh, since we're talking about SmackDown, Paul Heyman's explanation of how he returned to the, the fold of Roman Reigns and what I thought was most interesting and you know, Heyman in this situation is not exactly a reliable narrator 
So I think we have to take what he says with a grain of salt, but his proclamation was that this was not a setup. This was not him working with Roman Reigns from the very beginning from that Superman punch that he received and trying to trick Brock Lesnar, that this was – he was legitimately on Brock Lesnar's side until he wasn't. Um, so you know, talk a little bit about Goldberg versus Reigns at Saudi Arabia and then the explanation Heyman gave for his turn at the Rumble. Yeah, to your point, the Goldberg thing, he's been – what has he had? Maybe this will be his third match in maybe six or seven months with WWE for – for a guy like Goldberg that's in his mid-50s, that's, that's too much. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, I, it's weird that you could say three times in six, seven months is too much and less is more. But with a guy with, you know, like Goldberg who's, who has limitations and he's not, he's not going to put on, you know, a technical classic, uh, even less than what we're getting, <laughs> less than what the less we're getting would be more. Uh, you know, compare him to a guy like Sting who is actually – what, six, seven years older. Um, you know, Sting does a match every three, four months, give or take. But his in-ring skills, you know, he, he's never going to be com- compared, you know, confused with a Bill Goldberg. So uh, I think that's why Sting can get away with doing more quarterly appearances than anything. Um, also, you know, just from a story storytelling perspective, it's it pains me that, you know, anytime they do this, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, you know, Bill Goldberg comes back in and just jumps the line for the Universal title. There's no contenders. There's no one else on, on the SmackDown roster that uh, gained credibility with the audience and the fans. And he just jumps in, and you're next, and book the match. It's, I mean, there's, you could probably do a whole show on that alone, <laughs> so I'm not going to waste my breath on that right now. Um, when it comes to Paul Heyman, uh, I, I was fine with the explanation, and um, – yeah, like, you, like you said, it's, you've almost got to take what he's saying as the truth right now, even though uh, the history of Paul Heyman, whether work or shoot, is that he doesn't tell the truth. So <laughs> what are we really to believe? Um, but, you know, I could buy it from a, from a storytelling perspective. Roman Reigns comes in the ring uh, like he did last week on the Rumble. And he, you know, he puts his hand out. And it was almost the way Paul, if you go connect the dots on the story, uh, maybe that's that was Roman Reigns' way of extending the olive branch and saying, you know, come back home to me. I forgive you for what you did, and Paul did. So uh, in terms of the, that storytelling, I'm fine. In the Goldberg, there is no storytelling. He just shows up and gets a match. So that's where I'm sitting on that one. Makes you wonder why, like, Baron Corbin didn't come out and say, hey, Roman Reigns, <laughs> how about a title match in Saudi Arabia? And then presto, it's, it's made. That's that's what Bill right. Goldberg showed us on uh, on SmackDown. So uh, maybe ne- maybe next time, maybe next time, Happy Corp can t- can try that uh, t- to get a title shot. <laughs> um, <laughs> we go back to the phone, the six one five area code. This is Sean from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Sean, uh, welcome to the show this week. Um, excited to uh, to have you on. And and what's uh, what's on your mind, wrestling related tonight? Well, I'll bring it up first of all, Tony. I've never. Uh, Got to hear much of you from when you were with the tours because I became a member, I think, like five years ago, and I, I didn't get a chance. And, Greg, I know this sounds bad. I didn't get a chance to really ever hear your Moonlighting show, and I feel bad about that. I wish I could make it up, but I know you just don't have the show anymore, so I can't really listen to it. But I, I'll try to go back and listen to some. I should go back and listen to some of the older ones, but I've just 
you got, you know, we have so much amazing content on the torch. It's hard to get it all in. You know what I'm saying? But Tony, yeah, it's good to talk to you, man. How are you, sir? That's great, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for the uh, the the warm welcome. Um, I'll say two things to that. Um, I initially stopped writing about wrestling. Uh, probably, actually, it's probably approximately about five years ago. So the timeline very much matches up. Um, in terms of uh, Greg's old show, Moonlighting. I think enough time has passed. Greg, I'm going to just say it. New name is much better. Much better. <laughs> well, the, the idea of Moonlighting was it, was it was supposed to be a show that got posted late at night, like on a Saturday night, because we didn't oh, have a lot was. of audio going. <laughs> yeah, so that was the connection that I was making in my mind, and I probably didn't make it clear enough, and, and I'm not always responsible for posting stuff, but um, we didn't have a lot of audio going up late at night at the time. And so I thought, well, this is an opportunity, you know, if someone's up late or if you're on the West Coast or something like that, this is going to be posted and it's relatively, you know, timely for you. But, you know, it was at, at night, late at night. So I guess that was the connection I was making. But anyway, uh, yes, uh, I, I have to give Pat McNeil credit, though, for coming up with, with Wrestling Night in America. Not my doing, but um, he's better at coming up with titles than I am. I guess that's, that's the lesson that this show has proved. <laughs> <laughs> and last week was – well, it turned out last week was five years ago because when Wade put the – I think it was the Raw – yeah, it was like the Raw after the Rumble post-show he just put up recently. I was like I, – I heard – it was weird, like, hearing myself back on the phone call. It was the first time I ever called in <laughs> saying, like, I'm a first-time caller. <laughs> and now it's, like – it's so wild, like, looking back at it. But, no, I, it's just a blessing to be a member. Like, you know, you guys with Torch are just awesome. Everything's been so great. Ever since I, I would never – Never not pay the money for it. It's just great. But I wanted to say, too, I'm happy Brady finally called it a career. Thank God. I don't have to hear him anymore <laughs> on the NFL. And he's a great – he's he, to me, Tony, I've, I've already said it. I won't go into it. But to me, he's not the GOAT. Um, you'll have to see my stuff uh, to see who my, my GOAT is. But he's, he's great and one of the best to ever do it. And but, you know, I'm glad he's kind of moving on with family and all that stuff. But what I wanted to actually talk about – was going back to what you guys were saying as far as the main matches for WrestleMania from the Rumble. Yes, the Rumble was not a good show at all. We all agree on that. I think they're doing the right thing, too. I'm with you, Greg, as far as going doing the Ronda against Charlotte and the Becky against Bianca. Number one, because Becky Bianca, like you said, just kind of fits the story right now, and I think Ronda and Becky will go back to what they were going to do. But right now, I think – if they do Ronda Becky next year at WrestleMania, Ronda, thank God, I think will be a heel at that point, and Becky will hopefully be a babyface again by that point because Becky needs to be a babyface. She's a good heel. I mean, she does well as a heel. Like she, she does what she's given very, very well because she's great as a talker and in the ring. But Ronda is not likable, and she needs to be a heel. And this will work for now as a babyface, but it won't last long. So this match will be good for Ronda to go up against Charlotte because she's just – Charlotte's line on SmackDown was great where she said, "My baby, I have my baby, and it's prettier than yours. Uh, and, and I think Ronda can play off that really well. I think they can get the desired reaction they want to get. What do you guys think about that really fast? I think you bring up a good point, Sean, in terms of Ronda Rousey. She's being positioned as a baby face. And I think against Becky Lynch, fans would cheer Lynch. I think against Charlotte – Charlotte just comes across as so naturally unlikable as a, a character. And it, we've, all, we've seen, said this when she was a babyface, too. Like, she's cast terribly as a babyface because she just she's 
has that natural charisma of a heel. And so I think Ronda Rousey has a better chance of being cheered against Charlotte Flair than she would against Becky Lynch. So just in terms of babyface heel positioning, Tony, I think it was the right move. Yeah, I when it comes to that, I mean, Charlotte is a natural heel. She, she's a chip off the old block. Uh, you know, most of Ric Flair's career, he was a heel until the fans just couldn't <laughs> help it anymore and ended up loving the guy and tries to be a heel and it doesn't work because the fans just respect him too much. So um, from that perspective, it, it does make sense. And I couldn't agree more with you, Sean, that, you know, this this round peg in a square hole or square peg in a round hole, whatever, you, whichever side you want to go with, with uh, Becky Lynch, it's eventually it's got to run its course. I mean, it, it, the comparison with her and Steve Austin in 2001 with, you know, when he went heel and, and it, 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 I think it's there. It, it's to that point we've, you know, Becky's done. She's done a, a fine job trying, and it's not like she's not. She's not a bad heel, but she's not a natural heel. She's a natural babyface. Fans don't want to boo her, and but but you know, in terms of her getting the 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 boos that she wants, it's it's a valiant effort, and she works hard at it. Um, on a quick side note, going back to your original point, Sean, uh, I don't believe Brady's the best of all time because it's a team sport. Tom Brady, since we're shifting to football real quick. Um, plus, as, a, as I mentioned before, I'm a Steelers fan. I'm from Pittsburgh. Uh, this, to me, Brady retiring this year was just one more way to stick it to Steelers fans because when him and Ben go in the same year, and they will go in the same year, in my opinion, right. uh, all the coverage is going to be on Brady, as it should, one more time that he was able to stick it to Steelers fans because the Steelers can never beat him in the playoffs. That's just my opinion. Ooh, well, I'll say then real quick, my GOAT, and, and because I'm a fan, I've been a fan, I, I did live near Indianapolis at the time, I'm, Peyton Manning is my guy. I mean, I'm sorry. I, you know, you could argue he didn't win as many Super Bowls, and you could argue that with a lot of people, but I, I just don't think, like you said, it's a team sport. It's not a legitimate argument to say, well, he's won seven rings, so he's automatically the best. Like in football, you can't say that. That's just not a, that's not a smart comment to me. That's, he set all the records. Well, he played for 22 seasons. I, he better have set all the records. I mean, it'd be kind of stupid if he didn't. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just, you know, he's great, and his time is running. Ben, no, Ben had a great career, man. You, you, had, a good career, you had a good guy for a long time, and, but Ben I knew it was time, and, it, and, and he should have retired. It, you know, he was done this year. You could tell, and he oh, yeah. wasn't bad as Peyton was when he retired, but still, it was, you know, you could tell his time was over. But, you know, I, I like that. But Peyton's my guy. But going back to what you said, I mean, I agree with you guys. And, and I was going to say, too, no titles should ever change hands in Saudi Arabia. I'm sorry. Like, it should never happen. The prince can get his decent people there, you know, good talents there if he wants, but the title should never change hands. And I'm not going to watch the show, obviously. I'll go back and look at some stuff, and I'll I'll see a few highlights, and, but I'm not going to watch it live. I just refuse to. And I – and going back to what you guys were saying as far as, you know, they had to do the Lesnar-Reigns thing, and, you know, and, and I get it. it. It's a little more fresh this year just because they've switched roles the way that it should have been a long time ago. But – my only issue with the match is going to be, regardless of if Lesnar wins, like, you know, Brock, again, is a part-time guy. You don't want a part-time guy being the champion again. So I, I don't like that if they do that. 
and if they have Reigns win, which I mean, again, like it's, it's okay, but he's been the been the champ, Universal Champion forever, and there's still nobody to face him that's credible other than Drew. If you get him back hot again, which I think they can do, or other, and other than Drew, who else do you have? Biggie? They've, I mean. He could have been, but look what they did to him at the Royal Rumble and, and now having him on SmackDown. I just don't – so are you guys with me that either way, WWE's in a terrible spot, and is, am I right that Drew's probably the only guy that really could beat Roman at this point if he does beat Lesnar? Wrestling fans, are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Vallejos, host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at PWTorchDailyCast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Cast. This is uh, sort of a similar conversation that we had with Reverend Keith a couple weeks ago when he um, threw out the idea that, that Roman Reigns could possibly turn babyface after WrestleMania, and one of his arguments was, uh, as a heel, Reigns did not have a lot of opponents after WrestleMania that he could go through. And, you know, we're also looking ahead to WrestleMania 39, where WWE is going to try its darndest to get The Rock versus Roman Reigns. So is WWE going to want to have Roman Reigns hold the title for another year or, you know, maybe lose it for a short time in between there um, so that he is at the at his peak at the top uh, when when The Rock faces him at WrestleMania next year? And, you know, Drew McIntyre is the big name that's obvious. You could do something with Big E down the line again, uh, have him sort of rehabilitate himself as part of New Day, and then three, six months down the line, have him challenge Roman Reigns again. You could tell this story, and this is what I brought up uh, in response to Reverend Keith at, at the time that he brought it up, was you could do something with the Usos. You could have uh, one of the Usos decide, you know, they're not on board anymore and, and that they want to challenge Roman Reigns for the title. And you could get a few months out of that, uh, and then, you know, the, there could be a, a draft where the brands switch up a little bit and all of a sudden you've got new talent. It could be WWE. As rare as this is, you could see WWE build someone up to, to where they are ready to face Roman Reigns and be a viable challenger for the Universal Championship somewhere in the next 12 months. So I think there are opportunities there if WWE thinks a little bit outside the box. Um, so I would rather see Reigns win than, than Lesnar. Um, I don't think a lot is gained by Lesnar winning. I don't think a lot changes by Lesnar winning. And I think if you knock off Roman Reigns for the title, that should be a game-changing moment. Just because of how long Reigns has held the title, just because of how 
built up he's been as the top guy. I think if Reigns loses, there's got to be it's got to feel like a change. And Tony, to me, Brock Lesnar beating Roman Reigns for the title at WrestleMania would not feel like that much of a change because we've seen Lesnar on top before. Yeah, uh, been there, done that. I agree. Lesnar winning the the Universal Title does nothing for me. Uh, I <laughs> unfortunately you got to keep the title on Roman Reigns. But then again, to your point, it's it's like I'm just kind of piggybacking on some of this. Who beats them? <laughs> I mentioned it before. They can't build yeah. a credible babyface, a credible star to to make it seem like a big deal. Drew is your your one guy that you can heat back up. I think if you were going to do it, I tend to agree with you though that I feel like the big match for WrestleMania 39 will be Rock and Roman. Um, if you're gonna heat Drew back up and you want to do a title switch, I'm guessing the sweet spot is to have him hold it between Money in the Bank and maybe Survivor Series or Money in the Bank and somewhere around there. I don't know if they would do a title match because they like to have their fun and games with the brand, the brand uh, versus brand champion at Survivor Series, assuming there's no unified title. Uh, so, like you said, a lot of moving parts and none of them seem to be great, especially because they can't build that next big baby face and and I I I it's my opinion I believe they've given up on Big E already. They wouldn't have just put him back on SmackDown. It was a and it was also it wasn't like it was a big deal. It was a passing line uh which one phrase I'm looking for. I can't find it right now. It was like a it was just a a one line thing. Oh Big E's back on SmackDown and then the next week he's in a tag team again with uh Kofi Kingston in the new day. It's they got a lot of things they got to fix. And like I said, there you can do a whole other podcast just on that and some of the things we've brought up today. But um, I, like I said, the long story short, I, I'm keeping the title on Roman Reigns. And hopefully you heat up Drew McIntyre or can get someone else ready. But I, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of faith in WWE with their their storytelling and building credible baby faces at this point. All right, Sean, back to you for your final question or comment for us tonight. Yeah, this has been fun. Um, I, I wanted to uh, ask you guys, going back to AEW again really fast, because I know you guys haven't talked about it yet, and I'm curious what you guys thought about it. Um, I'm loving what uh, Moxley's done since he's come back. First first of all, it's good to have him back. I'm glad he's, um, you know, kind of beat the demons that he's been battling and talked about it in the first promo back. I really loved his first promo, even though the guy had to be a dick in the, in the crowd and, you know, whatever, that is what it is. But, um he was, he's been great. I was really intrigued when uh, Brian Danielson came out and, and had that promo on Wednesday. And, and I really don't know where they're going to go. I'm really curious. It was, it was a really good promo. Like, Brian Danielson's so good in the ring, but his promo skills are awesome. I'm really – where do you guys think they're going with that? Do you think there's any way in the world they become a tag team for a little while and somehow they just – you know, play it out for a little bit and then just kind of have a long-term story where one of them turns and, what you know, they go in the match that way? Or do you think they just go straight on at, at Revolution, have Moxley as a babyface against Brian as a heel and just play it that way? And, and then, you know, I don't know where they would go, who they would have win, just because they're both in a kind of a similar spot. They're both super over. They're both great in the ring. They're both great on the mic. I don't know where you'd go. But what did you think about that whole thing on Dynamite? Where do you think they might be going with it? And, Greg, yeah, you're the man. Always appreciate it, dude. Tony, good to finally talk to you, man. Thank you guys for taking my call, as always. Thank you, Sean. Um, yeah, that, that segment from Dynamite was really interesting. 
and it was sort of a, a left turn from where you kind of expected it to go when you saw Brian Danielson watching Moxley's matches the past few weeks, offering him this opportunity to sort of team with Danielson and, and raise the next generation of kind of shooters, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, I, it's hard for me to see Moxley taking D, uh, Brian Danielson up on that offer, Tony, but it is intriguing to think about. I mean, there are so many directions a Danielson-Moxley-led group could go, um, but I think the fans so desperately want to cheer Moxley in his return from uh, rehab, and I, I don't think they're – you know, they can always cheer Danielson, but he's doing such great work as a heel right now. I don't know who would turn, or maybe you don't have either of them turn. Maybe Moxley stays babyface and Danielson stays heel, and they just somehow it works. So from that point of view, I think there are a lot more really intriguing things to do if they if Moxley accepted this offer. But on the other hand, it's very hard for me to see that happening. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and you know, what's funny is you see this thread here that we're even going on is when we talk about some of this AEW stuff, it's like they could go this way and they could go this way, and you legitimately don't know. When we talk about WWE, it's like uh, they're going to go this way, but I'd like to see them go this way. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. I just thought that was kind of funny. You see the, the, the difference in the two companies when you talk about how you approach a, a topic here. Um, but going back to that, uh, yeah, you're right. They could go a couple different ways. One could be uh, a short-term feud. They have a match, maybe two, have – gain great mutual respect for each other that they probably already have anyway, and then do decide to, to start a faction. Uh, another way is that it just doesn't work at all. They have a feud, and uh, and we, we go from there. I still feel that this didn't come out of nowhere. I think Brian Danielson is going to lead a faction. I don't think it's going to be with John Moxley, at least not for the long term. I think that's too much star, star power at the top of a faction. I, I don't think it's needed. Um, but I can see Danielson with some young guys, like whether they call it the Dragon Dojo or the American Dragon Dojo, something along those lines where he has some young guys that he really wants to, you know, take and uh, school them not only in front of the camera but behind the scenes, guys that he likes that he sees, you know, kind of cut from the same cloth as him. Um, I could see Danielson leading a faction. I don't think it's going to be the both of them, at least not long-term. Uh, like I said, that's just too much star power at the top of a faction. It's not needed. And uh, at this point, you know, any plans to, her- to turn Moxley heel, I think, went out the window once he went on his uh, 90-day sabbatical, we'll call it, and uh, came back. There's no chance that uh, they're going to turn him heel, especially not this soon. Uh, yeah, I think you gave a, a likely scenario that, that sort of accomplishes both is that Brian uh, Moxley declines Danielson's offer. Danielson gathers together his troops anyway and uses them to attack Moxley and said, hey, I give you the yeah. opportunity to be a part of this. Now you're going to be on the receiving end of this. So that mm-hmm. could be a direction they go as well. Um, Reverend Keith brought up Punk versus MJF. Uh, we didn't get a chance to really go in-depth on that match. Um, what did you think of the match? What did you think of the false finish uh, do you think it fit in there? And, you know, usually when you see a false finish like that with the MJF getting the victory, Punk ends up winning the match. So you got kind of go 50-50. Are you surprised they did that false finish with MJF winning and then had him win in the end anyway? 
So I'll start at the beginning. <laughs> like, I agree with you. The, false, the first false finish, at that point, I go, oh, well, now, now Punk wins this match. You know, at the top of the hour, we're going to go off the air, and Chicago goes nuts. CM Punk wins the match. Um, it was clever. I liked how they did it. Um, it was smart, and it got the crowd like, oh, my God. And it also got the crowd thinking, all right, well, now there's no way CM Punk doesn't win. We're, I can't wait to celebrate when he does it. So then fast forward 25 minutes later, and we get the, the second finish, and MJF still goes over. This works for me on multiple levels. A, the word load part was clever. And I liked that the camera didn't catch it at first, and he had to see it on the replay. That actually worked for me. I thought it was, it was well done. Um, second of all, another fundamental difference that WWE has with AEW. AEW is real big on protecting their guys and having them win in their hometowns. They don't let guys lose hometowns. And the first guy to do it, <laughs> because they knew of how big the moment would be, is CM Punk. They, you know, take to fall on the sword in front of his home crowd. It it gave you just the response that you were expecting at the end, just kind of shock, uh, especially in front of his home crowd, which AEW doesn't beat anyone in their hometown. Uh, they find a way to make sure that that guy is um, over with the crowd, especially if it's a if it's a double t- taping. You go back to the to the Brian Pillman one a couple months back, where you know he looked, he got beat up on the Wednesday show, but by the end of the Friday night show where they taped put this uh, rampage. He was the one standing tall. So it worked for me on multiple levels. And who better to, to you know, come out next week and, it, you know, it's going to happen this coming Wednesday where MJF's going to come out and say, I beat CM Punk twice in one night. It's, it works on multiple levels for me. And I would have it – was, it was clever and it was brilliantly done. He might already have a T-shirt that, that espouses that phrase. So I wouldn't be surprised right. to see him uh, – Wearing that uh, on uh, on Dynamite on Wednesday night. Um, last thing about uh, AEW here before we go back to the phones. We talked a little bit about Paige versus Archer coming up this Wednesday night. What do you think about Archer as an opponent for Paige in this moment? Uh, it, to me, it's more of get Paige over a monster as opposed to making Archer necessarily. They, they've tried to make him seem like a threat. It's been a little rough going of it, I think, so far, just because it, it seems sort of out of nowhere. But he does have that character, and he does have that intensity where beating him should mean something for Adam Page. And it's an opportunity for Page to go over again and add to his championship resume. So uh, what do you think about Archer as the choice of opponent this week for a rare uh, televised title defense by Adam Page? I'm fine with it. It's a TV feud. It's not leading to a pay-per-view or a yeah, it's a pay-per-view for them. It's not a premium live event. Um, yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the choice of opponent. Um, and then plus, you know, you're playing up the fact that Adam Page is going into a match where that's Lance Archer's specialty. His specialty is the Texas Death Match. He beat John Moxley just a couple months ago in the Texas Death Match. So um, that's where your doubt's going to come into mind. It's that Archer doesn't lose these type of matches, or at the very least, he's brutal in them. And um, like I said, more I don't think anybody really believes that Adam Page is going to lose this match. But sometimes, you know, that's the right thing is the obvious thing. And I have no problem with this. And it gets us to the next story. And um, Page needs to at least, you know, build up his resume a little bit more before I think we get to that, that big pay-per-view match that's coming up next month. 
A new feature we started late in 2021 is the Focus On series of Wade Keller hotlines, including the Focus On AEW and Focus On WWE formats. In fact, throughout the month of November 2021, every single day from the 1st through the 30th, I presented a Focus On AEW podcast, roughly 10, 15, 20, sometimes 25 minutes of the latest news and analysis of what's going on in AEW, including everything from top stories to funny social media posts, along with my answers to mailbag questions from VIP members. So go VIP to check out our Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE podcast posted throughout the week, more days than not. That's a new VIP exclusive that gives you a focused dose of news and commentary and analysis on either AEW or WWE, pwtorch.com slash Go VIP for full details on signing up with your credit card, debit card, or through PayPal. It's an express sign-up form and single-click access to our VIP podcast feed through Apple Podcasts. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. All right, we go back to the phones. The 419 area code, I believe this is Craig from Toledo. Craig, is this you? This is me. Wonderful. Welcome to the show, Craig. Uh, what's on your mind tonight? Um, going back to AEW um, <clears throat> and the Moxley thing you guys were just talking about, Brian uh, Kendrick was supposed to be in that match, and he had that, you know, all this stuff revealed. After the match, Brian Danielson, I, I paused to get it right, um, <laughs> he, he offered to make Moxley, a, you know, part of this, you know, Dragon Dojo, whatever, do you think that maybe Kendrick was going to be part of that because of how much Brian Danielson likes Kendrick? Um, interesting. And, and they, they came up together. I think they both trained under Shawn Michaels as well. So there is that connection, too. I, I really hadn't thought of that, um, Tony. Uh, you know, Kendrick uh, had made some comments on a podcast previously that um, – were abhorrent, and, and Tony Khan decided to pull him from Dynamite in his scheduled match with John Moxley on, on Wednesday. So, um, you know, there's a chance that Kendrick could be brought back at some point by AEW, but uh, do you think there's a possibility that he could have played a part in that? I think, looking back on that, I think it was going to be more of a wink and a nod. Uh, but, you know, when, when Danielson talked, talked to Moxley after the match, cut that promo. He was more about grooming some younger guys. That's where the promo... I can't imagine that the basis of that promo would have been shifted completely by the the lack of Brian Kendrick. To me, I think it was a wink and a nod. It's almost like, oh, connect, look at that, connecting this dot, and it's like one of those, if you know, you know. If you don't, it's not a big deal. Um, That's where I think that is. I can't imagine that the any of he that Kendrick was a was going to be a fundamental big part of that storyline going forward, just because of the fact that most of the guys that Danielson mentioned in that uh, promo were guys that are up and coming and still uh, kind of developing their their skills in the wrestling business. That's where I'm at on that one. All right, Craig, back to you for your second question or comment for us tonight. The way I thought of it was like all three of them were going to be kind of senseis for the younger guys. Um, but uh, moving forward, on to another podcast, Nia Jax um, basically revealed that she was an anti-vaxxer. We all kind of knew that anyway. But um, 
then she just went off on this she, like two-hour Twitter tirade the other day <clears throat> and ended up saying like things like there's plenty of people who've gotten fake vaccine cards and, and uh, from doctors and stuff like that. Um, do you, is there any validity to this, do you think? And is and an addendum to the question, the, the, uh, when they go to Saudi, everyone has to be vaxxed to go to Saudi. And will there be scrutiny for anyone who doesn't go as far as the anti-vax thing? It's so hard to know who doesn't go to Saudi Arabia because they won't versus whether or not they are not vaccinated. Um, you know, I think they had to be vaccinated to wrestle in MSG. So I think you'll you'll see maybe. I mean, it's just exhausting to go through this at this point. But you'll, you may see some people on Twitter or elsewhere try to match up, okay, who wasn't at the MSG show versus who wasn't in Saudi Arabia, um, and, and maybe try to figure out who's not vaccinated. But, I mean, the, the whole discussion is exhausting at this point and i don't really have any interest in litigating it anymore um as far as like the the fake vaccine cards uh, if it's true it's it's alarming i think because uh, you know and we saw uh, the situation with antonio brown in the nfl and, and what happened uh with him getting the the fake vaccine card is it is it true possibly like i i don't know for a fact that it is or isn't um to say plenty of people have it, uh, I don't know. That might be an exaggeration. Um, certainly Nia Jax is going to want to defend her point of view, and, and she may use different means to do it. But, uh, Tony, any, any thoughts on the vaccination debate involving Nia Jax? I, I got to see a lot of what she – like I said, I kind of saw the excerpts of, the, of her interview. Um, I, did not, <laughs> I did not see the Twitter tirade. I knew that uh, she had gone on Twitter after, but I didn't know that she had gone on and on and on for a couple hours, like like um, like was just mentioned. Uh, you know, we live in this crazy world. It's, it's I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two. There's always going to be one or two. Uh, to your point, I was going to bring up the Antonio Brown thing. Also, I mean, you know, if it can happen in the NFL, it can happen in the WWE. It's you know, <laughs> I don't even know where else to go with that either. It's like you said, it's a, it's kind of a headache to get into it because you're really just speculating on something that's so insane that somebody would, you know, do that. But uh, from what I understand that, you know, WWE, some of the guys, some of, some of the guys and girls that they've already cut were ones that were anti-vaxxers when you talk about a Karrion Cross or a, a Scarlett Bordeaux and uh, – like I said, you're just speculating there, though, too. It, you you really don't know because the medical stuff is so secretive and it's prohibited to be out there unless uh, someone puts it out there themselves. So I that's, I guess that's, if you're talking about my thoughts on that, that's where i got to stop because really it's so speculative that you can't even give a proper opinion on it because it's, you're just guessing. All right, Craig, uh, your final question or comment for us tonight. This will be a fun one. Um, anybody from AEW, you can take their old music from anywhere they worked before. Which one would you take? 
And uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. I, I liked uh, the show tonight, and, and nice uh, talking to you, Tony. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. Um, I better be careful because if I'm if I don't watch myself, this is going to become Wrestling Night in America with Tony D'Onofrio soon. So <laughs> Tony's getting so many props tonight. Um, let's see. I, I got to think about this now. Somebody in AEW who you would take their music from another company and presumably um, use it in AEW. Um, you know, I'm going to get roasted for this. Um, I loved the Undisputed Era's theme in NXT. And I know a lot of people love Adam Cole's theme in AEW. I think I like his Undisputed Era theme better. I think I would, I would rather him use that than his AEW theme. And I'm not, I, that's not a very popular opinion, I know. But that's the first one. And I've thought about that before, too. Like, so that's, this is not me just thinking about it on the spur of the moment, but I've thought that listening to his theme. Um, AEW does pretty well with their themes, and WWE is kind of in a rut right now with theirs. So it's hard for me to think of anyone who's recently jumped from WWE and, and to think that their theme might be better. Tony, do you have any thoughts on the topic? I do. Um, first of all, I... When it comes to Undisputed Era and, and the Adam Cole music in AEW, I'm a big fan of both. And I, I like I said, it, I, even at this point, I have trouble picking between the two. But if I had to, I'm still going to use the Undisputed Era just because of the gravitas that it kind of picked up over the, the years he was in NXT. Um, at some point, I imagine if his AEW run goes is the way we expect it to, um, his new music can get there as well. But I'm a big fan of both versions. Now, if you asked me a year ago, the easy one would have been Rusev because his best man music was terrible. But since then, they've remedied <laughs> that in the you know God's favorite champion and with all that the, the music he has now. You know, granted, like I said, he's on the shelf right now. Um, that would have been my choice a year ago. Um, but for me now, the no-brainer is uh, Brian Danielson Final Countdown. I wanted them to come back to that. Mm-hmm. And but the new music has grown on me, but I'm still hoping at some point uh, he can go back to it. I know they tried to get it, and the, the whoever holds the rights to the music, I don't think it's Europe. Whoever the label is, I think holds the rights. Uh, the, the asking price was insane. Which, if you just look at what CM Punk has done for Living Color and Cultic Personality, you'd have thought the label would have been a little smarter on this because anytime CM Punk has used that music, whether it be WWE or now in AEW. Uh, living color, cult of personality, it gets a bump. <laughs> so it kind of, you know, makes sense for for Europe and or their label to have approved that. But that would be the one I'd go for would be uh, Brian Danielson, Final Countdown. Excellent. Um, yeah, I, I can't – none, none um, come off the top of my head that I would add to that. Uh, if you want to tweet me at Greg M. Parks and tell me which ones I'm missing, I'm sure to listen with an open mind. Uh, we have the Chamber pay-per-view on February 19th, but we also have Impact's No Surrender a special on Impact Plus on February 19th. The card as it stands right now, Moose versus W. Morrissey for the Impact title. Team Impact versus Team ROH in a 10-man tag match. If Team ROH wins, they can still hang out at an Impact. If Team Impact wins, they got to go home. Uh, we also have Mickey James versus Tasha Steeles, knockouts title match, and the Good Brothers versus the Gorillas of Destiny for the Impact tag titles. Uh, what was your take on Mickey James and her appearance in the Rumble as an Impact uh, knockouts champion? 
I think it was respectful, um, which is saying a lot for WWE, considering the way that she left the company your last year. Was, it, was that only last year? Done. Doesn't feel like it. But since COVID hit a couple years ago, all my timelines are screwed up in my head. But uh, um, it was respectful. It was a decent showing. Um, uh, like I said, you knew anybody knew she was not going to win that that uh, that match. Um, but I thought it was a strong showing. Um, Impact in general. I, the last few weeks, I've actually enjoyed the shows. I've I actually signed up for the the YouTube dollar a month because I don't get access on YouTube TV, even though they just signed a deal. I think I saw that. Uh, where if you do their sports package, but that's an extra ten dollars a month. So I'll stick to my dollar through YouTube a month extra to to watch um, Impact on YouTube Premium instead. But uh, the show itself, Impact is. Uh, been a, it's been an enjoyable show to watch the last couple of weeks, and uh, the Mickey James stuff fits right into you know what they've been doing, and it's a nice feather in the hat and the cap for Impact, and they're working with every company. <laughs> Whereas you know we talk about AEW and the Forbidden Door, uh, the real Forbidden Door has been opened by Impact. They are literally working with every company in the continental United States right now, with the exception of maybe GCW. But in terms of like top three, top four companies right in that area. Impacts the the troop forbidden door, forbidden door opener it seems. Uh, what's been your thoughts on the ROH invasion angle? Uh, it's kept ROH in the news, um, and you know, it, even though they're not running shows until April, uh, how is, how do you think Impact has handled the the ROH invasion from a booking standpoint? So far, so good. Uh, I I in my mind. I hope they learned from the past about invasion angles that, you know, if even if you go back to the old Mid-South and uh, NWA or Mid-South and I'm sorry, is uh, the Crockett promotion. If you go back to WCW, WWE, the invaders got to win and got to get over big and you can't just squash them for, for the invasion to mean anything. And I think so far, like I said, it's kind of been an even uh, kind of even Steven, but at this pay-per-view, in my mind, uh, Ring of Honor has to to win that battle, and hopefully they book them strong after that. Because if not, just like every other invasion angle we've seen in the, the United States, it's just going to flop. So, uh, so far, so good. But the the pay per view, no surrender. That's going to be that's going to be a big uh, telling sign. It's you know the first big step, first big hurdle for that. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcast? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger and our I Was There When shows, where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices, or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. 
All right, back to the phone, 305 area code DJ from Miami. DJ, welcome to Wrestling Night in America. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, guys, how you doing? I got um, I want to talk about EAW. I want to talk about Tony Khan and how he books and what our, his ideas are. What um, The first thing, it's like a two-part thing. The first thing is, like, when they brought Dan Helsing in, he is supposed to be, like, a special thing, like, you know, like Undertaker or Black. And like, all of a sudden, and now he's coming out with Orange Cassie, but now he's a baby face? He was supposed to be a heel. I'm confused on that. And then it's like, okay. So then Brandy comes to the ring by herself, doesn't say anything why he's she's there, just like Dan Helding. Nobody said anything why he was there. Nothing. Just blank. So Brandy's in the ring. She's a heel. And then she's going against Dan Lambert. He's a heel. Like, I don't understand. what They don't make sense. And then it's just like, then Tony Khan's like, okay, well, we're going to bring in somebody new next week. Wait, it's going to be mind-blowing, blah, blah, blah. I'm scared that if it's going to be Keith Lee, they're going to bury him or put him in a new fashion or something. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Like, I'm confused. Like, what do you think is, like, uh, his thinking on this stuff? Well, Dan Housen, I don't think, could be a heel in AEW's atmosphere or, or anything like that. Um I think bringing him in as a baby face was the right move if you're going to bring him in. And I get the trepidation of bringing someone like Dan Housen in when you have Luchasaurus and you have Orange Cassidy and you've already got some of these comedy figures uh, to have Dan Housen in there as well. But, yeah, I, I don't question the use of him as a baby face. Um, the Brandy-Dan Lambert segment was awful. Like, And, and I – Dan Lambert, I think, was nice every once in a while, but I don't want to hear him or see him on TV every week. Um, that's maybe just my opinion. I think he's still probably very effective, but I, to hear his his promos the same each and every week, like I, I, it's hard for me to listen to that. And when you combine Brandy's obnoxiousness with Dan Lambert's. Um, that segment was was one of the worst, I think, in, in AEW TV. So, uh, Tony, your take on Dan Housen coming in and then Brandy and, and Dan Lambert. Uh, first of all, I think both questions are very fair. Uh, the Dan Housen one, like I said, I was at that show in Cleveland, and it did pop the crowd huge. But I, I feel like it was rushed, and I hate to say a debut could be rushed, I don't even know if he's he's healthy enough to do anything yet. This could have waited. I'm not sure. It's almost almost like they needed to uh, maybe do a surprise for surprise sake, and I don't like to see that happen. So um, I can understand some of the the criticism there. Um, in terms of Dan Lambert, the Brandy Rhodes thing, that is the one ongoing storyline in AEW because that's. I mean, I'll be honest. I'll be very, very upfront. If you can't tell by the tone of a lot of my point tonight. It is my favorite promotion to watch. It's my favorite promotion to eventually hopefully cover again. Um, having said that, the Brandy stuff, especially the Cody Rhodes stuff, Dan, Dan Lambert's going to be a heel. He's a heel. It's, I, I don't even mind him so much. The, the, the Cody Brandy thing doesn't make any sense because Brandy comes out and even if she's going to try to be a baby face, which it feels like she wants to try to be because she smiles a lot and wants to get the crowd reaction, but then she leads with the the cheap heat calling Cleveland or Chicago Cleveland. And it, 
and then it's a heel versus heel feud, apparently, even though really Cody and Brandy don't want to turn heel, but I think Brandy wants to turn heel, but Cody doesn't want to turn heel, but he doesn't come out to ever protect his wife when there's three guys that are ragging on him in the ring. The whole thing makes your head hurt. And and that's the one, like I said, long-term story that we're seemingly, seemingly getting from AEW that I wish they would, I don't know if, Cody has too much input on his own creative here, and that's why that there's such a it, – it's a cluster, for lack of a better term. <laughs> um, but I can see your point. Uh, the, the, the second half of that uh, we didn't even mention yet was the Paige Van Zant thing. I think Paige Van Zant can be a star. I think, you know, she has the great look. She's credible. She's been in UFC. She's, uh, you know, a legit fighter. You know, her record over the last few years hasn't been great, but even still, she's legit. Um, but that pull apart was one of the it was one of the weaker segments in terms of in ring since the original Dark Order one on the, the first Christmas show they did. And Dark Order obviously has come a long way since then. But when it comes to the the Brody, or I'm sorry, Brody, I don't know where that came from. The Brandy and all Dan Lambert and then the Cody stuff. It just it it makes your head spin and it, it, it kind of gives you a headache. So I think those are both fair questions, fair criticisms when when you look at it and you step back and go, I don't know, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish here. And sometimes you hope, man, maybe they're smarter than us and they have a plan. But sometimes you've got to pull the trigger on that plan because at this point you you've lost a lot of people. I think. All right, DJ, back to you for your second question for us tonight. Yep, my second question is uh, about <clears throat> WWE. <clears throat> now, when when um, Lita came out, it was a huge pop. You know, I would like to see her win the belt. I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, she's a good, you know, heel, but, like, they're going to have, I don't know what they're doing, like, what the women's, you know, but, like, you know, people are behind Lita. Do you think that she'll win the belt? Maybe they'll go to WrestleMania and go one more time. Do you think Lita that's a one and done and, you know, in the bucket and go to the next person? Like, what do you guys really think about Lita? Like, do you think that she's going to stay around for a few months or do you think it's one and done? I would think it's one and done. Uh, and no, I don't think she should win the title. Lita is a nice guest star. Uh, but you have to remember, even back in her day, she was not a great wrestler. I think she was she was better than a lot of the other women at the time, just because the the acceptable level of women's wrestling, the bar was so low. Uh, but she was never really all that great as a wrestler. And so when you now drop her into this environment where she's older, um, and the the bar for competent women's wrestling has been raised, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't really see the the point of having her win other than nostalgia. And trust me, we get enough of that on the men's side. We don't need to have that on the women's side, uh, too. So, Tony, uh, one and done for Lita. Should she win the title? What's your thoughts on that? Um, well, first, I I would not put the title on her. Like I said, the the Becky Bianca story, to your point earlier, Greg, is the is the built in story that I that looks like is eventually going to be played out at WrestleMania. Um, it's funny you mentioned, though, Lita getting a title or even getting a title shot. Uh, two weeks ago, when they brought her back on SmackDown, I would not have been surprised to actually see her win the Rumble and challenge Charlotte Flair. 
Um, that was before the, the whole news broke about Ronda Rousey. Just for the point that, and it, you just brought it up, they're big on, they can't build stars, so they got to pull ones from the past. And no, uh, Lita was not a great wrestler. She, she's good at a couple high spots, Twist of Fate and the, the Senton Bomb. But it, you know what? It probably would have sold some tickets because of the nostalgia thing. And to your point, I uh, completely agree with you. I wouldn't have done it either, and I'm glad they didn't. But a couple weeks ago, I could have seen her winning that Rumble, challenging Charlotte Flair, and that being your um, your other half, just based on the nostalgia uh, of Lita. Because like you said, she was not that great of a worker. It's kind of romanticized because of the era that she came up in uh, with her and Trish. Because Trish, for, you know, for all she did for women's wrestling, she was an okay worker, but she wasn't, uh, you know, breaking any ground in terms of uh, how the women have in the last five to seven years. So um, that's where I sit on that one. It's just, it wouldn't have surprised me a couple of weeks ago, but, but I agree with you that they made the right decision. And, and it's fun to see Lita in this role. Um, and, it's, you know, she'll go to Saudi Arabia. She'll have a, uh, as good a match as she can have with Becky. And, and then I think we, uh, we move on to Becky and Bianca up through WrestleMania. DJ, your third and final question for us tonight. The last thing is about Shane. Like, they badmouthed him all week. It's like, you know, they said he's fired and he's not, and it's like people were disappointed with him. But, like, when he was in the match, he messed up anyways. Like, Lesnar hit him, he didn't go over the rope. Lesnar hit him again, then he went over the rope. I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. So then it's just like, okay, so then he's in trouble or whatever. But, like, it's always like this guy has so much shares in it. He is, I can explain it to you. He, you know, like, he, like growing up, his grandfather had it, his dad had it. Now he thinks, you know, he was the guy who's going to get it. And I think now that he understands he's not going to get this thing. So at the end of the day, like, if they're going to really treat him like he's going to, be a piece of garbage here or nobody special. Like, I feel like when Vince sells the company to Disney or something, I feel like him, Triple H, and maybe Sean might start another organization. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Like, they can't badmouth a guy who's, you know, supposed to, quote, unquote, go over and not, they're going to sell the I don't, you know, like, what are they doing? Well, I think the opportunity for Shane to take over has long come and gone. Uh, I don't think that's in the cards at all, uh, especially knowing that he was strictly on a talent contract. Uh, I would say the same about Triple H. I, I don't think, you know, I think two years ago we would have said, yeah, that, that makes sense that Triple H would be next in line. But at this point, I don't see that happening either. So then you look at, okay, well, where does WWE go when Vince McMahon is no longer in charge, does it go to Nick Khan? Does it go to uh, Disney or Fox or something like that? So, you know, still a lot of questions, but uh, Tony, I, Shane, that, that opportunity, that ship has sailed. And, you know, I don't know if he would have been the right person anyway, even if he had been in Vince's good graces all along, if he had been the right person to even take over the business side of WWE um, once Vince relinquished control. Right. Yeah, and I think I even mentioned that earlier in the show, like any plan for Shane to be part of that, you know, that handing down thing, it went by the wayside somewhere between like 2009 to 2013. Uh, he, he stepped out, did his own thing. 
he was always been kind of the rebel of the company. They always said Stephanie was the one that wanted to be part of the family business. You know, Shane McMahon tried to, you know, he was even he was even the one to help bring the the uh, WWE CW back. And frankly, <laughs> you you made a point that you know he had trouble taking the clothesline not once but twice from Brock Lesnar to be eliminated. Seemingly, uh, maybe trying to go into business for himself. He's lucky that his last name is McMahon because I think if Brock, Le- if any other guy on the roster had done that, Brock Lesnar might have maybe gone into business for himself as well. So he is still a McMahon. He's still Vince's son. But um, like I said, it just to to say that he might, you know, have planned someday of taking over the company. I agree with Greg that 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 ship sailed a long time ago. Um, and uh, unfortunately, like I said, uh, Vince didn't actually. It, it always seemed as though Vince favored Stephanie in this whole plan to hand over the reins and, and to a, like to a lesser extent Hunter. But uh, as Greg just went through, I don't think that's in the cards anymore either. All right, TJ. Thank you for the phone call tonight. Look forward yep. to hearing from you again soon. I'll see you next week. It's a new year, so why not treat yourself to a PW Torch VIP membership and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed and a ton of VIP exclusive audio shows such as the new Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE series that I record throughout the week dedicated to a focused look at WWE news and a focused look at AEW News, along with commentary, analysis, and Q&A with VIP member listeners. Plus our post-pay-per-view VIP-exclusive roundtables and so much more. Plus over 35 years of archives of podcasts, radio shows, newsletters, articles. Check it out, pwtorch.com slash govip. Tells you all about membership. So why not make 2022 the year that you enjoy all the benefits that come with a PW Torch VIP membership? All right, we got one final phone call to get to, and then we'll wrap things up for the evening. This is the 310 area code. 310, welcome to Wrestling Night in America. Please state your name and where you're calling from. Tom, guys, how you doing? Hey, Tom, how are you? Uh, Good to talk to you tonight. All right. (laughs) Thank you. Um, (laughs) What's uh, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, so... uh, been uh listening to the show for years i mean when you guys were like the original podcast before every wrestler that has ever stepped in the ring had uh a wrestling podcast so i've been listening to you guys um forever have not called in a while um but uh you know i think like as a result of not calling for uh a few years um it's allowed me to kind of step back and like look at what's been going on i think this this shame thing to me is is so fascinating because I think if you were to just look at this in a vacuum, right? All right, I guess I could believe there was a falling out and there was something that actually happened. But when you start to take it on the aggregate of everything that's been going on with WWE for the last couple of years, and given that, like, the, the general talk about Shane has always been that he's a hands-off guy, I just have a personal hard time believing that Shane shotgunned the Royal Rumble when we know Vince McMahon won't even let someone's, like, first name be said on the air if he doesn't approve it. So I found that entire thing interesting because, that, like, that's really an official cleaning house. And then just in general, just sitting back watching WWE kind of deal with what I would consider to be a bit of karma here, which is 
for years and years, they put out documentaries on WCW about how they pushed only the old guys and how they couldn't get out of their own way and how they cut all these young guys with a ton of talent and let them walk to WWE and WWE knew exactly what to actually do with them. And now we're witnessing, oh, and going three hours on Nitro and, you know, all the promotions with the WCW credit card and all sorts of stuff. And now we're sitting here watching WWE be the one with the billions of dollars and the massive television contracts and the monetary ad, ad, ad advantage everywhere. And what are they doing? They're only pushing the old guys. They're cutting all the young guys who are going elsewhere and being pushed as stars. AEW has their own problems, and I think anyone that acts like they don't is wrong. But AEW at least has general, understandable, corporate-based roster problems rather than consistent. What on earth are they possibly thinking, I can't possibly get my my mindset into a place to understand why they would be making that kind of choice problems, which I think with WWE, I mean, I've learned a long time ago to not overthink anything that's happening in that, in that company, right? Like sometimes as insane as something looks, you just have to remember the person running it is also nuts. So generally assume the craziest thing you can think of. And it's probably true. Um, And it's just fascinating to watch all this stuff that they, basically hammered WCW for for years and years and years be the complete embodiment of what they are now. Um, They have every advantage in the world, and they can't get out of their own way. And if you want to analyze what happened with NXT in any more complicated way than simply Vince McMahon probably got tired of hearing that the best part of his company was the part that he was not running, and the first chance he got he ripped it to shreds, then I think you're probably overthinking what's happening in the WWE because otherwise nothing makes sense. So it's, um, it's, it's pretty interesting to see it. And, like, once again, Nick Khan is a great businessman. The WWE for years and years and years now has been getting better and better and better at business and worse and worse and worse at their own product. And you do have to imagine here at some point at some point, they will be punished for it, but um, it's it's fascinating to watch it play out live. So, yeah, I mean, it's just as someone who's not called in in a while, it's, uh, it's been interesting to watch this un- unfold for the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tom, you summed things up very nicely there. Um, and you're not the first, certainly, to point out, of course, that WWE is making a lot of the same mistakes that WCW did and that WWE rightfully pointed out that WCW did on its own documentaries. And so it it is sort of strange that they're going down those same creative roads that they've mocked WCW for for the last two decades. Um, And and they probably do it without irony. Like they don't even realize that that's what's (laughs) going on. They're, They're so far up their own butt that they really can't see outside of it. I mean, that's... That's the God's honest truth of how it appears for, for me, an outsider, in terms of WWE creative. But, you know, I think the, the big difference is not so much in the creative, but WWE, and I know Dave Meltzer has mentioned this before, it's a foolproof business at this point. Like, it's, it's almost bulletproof, unless the bottom falls out of the live TV industry, WWE can continue to 
put on subpar television and and pay-per-views, and they're really not going to be affected by it because they're they are so insulated from a, a lot of what brought WCW down business-wise that right. they they're just going to continue rolling in the money, Tony. And it's unfortunate because there's now no incentive for them to get better at creative or to at least look internally at, okay, we've put on some very bad shows that have been very negatively received. What, what are we doing that needs to change? There's no introspection, it seems like, in terms of creative. They just keep going along. They just keep plowing forward. And you know, if they need to make more money, they just cut more people. So I, I think that's the unfortunate part is that creatively, there's no incentive for them to, to look inward and to, to make any changes. So, and I mean this with no disrespect to the rest of the callers. I've had a wonderful time tonight. This was my favorite call tonight. And again, no disrespect to any other. We've had some really great calls tonight. Um, I would agree with almost every point that you made. I mean, the, the WCW comparisons, the aging stars, the, the weird and wacky promotions. God, they're going to be, they're putting their, they're putting people on lottery tickets starting soon if you, Paid attention to the, the call that they had this past week. Um, the NXT thing, absolutely. I mean, NXT was getting to be more popular, at least among the hardcore fans. Um, it was selling out arenas. It was never supposed to sell out arenas. Um, and then he destroys it. And after you know, a, after they started the war with AEW, yes, they did start that war because AEW had its its night first, and then they jumped again. Regardless, I'm not going to get into that thing. You could do a whole other show on that as I've said many times tonight. The one thing, and Greg went into it, uh, kind of stole a little bit of my thunder, it's the old term, too big to fail, at this point. Uh, it's a, uh, you made it a point that, you know, Dave Meltzer's brought it up as well. They're too big to fail right now. Um, just the last two TV deals alone, if, I mean, I don't remember the exact figures. I want to say they got a half a billion dollars from NBC for Raw you know, by way of USA. I think they got three quarters of a billion dollars from Fox on that TV deal. And then by, and I know they sold the network, but let's be honest, they basically rented their WWE network to NBC for a billion dollars over five years. Because I'm assuming after that five years, if it doesn't get renewed, WWE gets their content and their network back and they, they can do what they want with it. So it's too big to fail at this point. They've, they've brought in so much money on these TV deals and the TV deals are not going away anytime soon. If you look at the NFL, I know you, the NFL is a, a juggernaut in its own right, even more so than the WWE. But if you look at their TV deals, those TV deals, you know, they're huge. But the big one, and since you've referenced Meltzer, I'm going to reference him also. And he makes these great points. And this actually pertains to AEW as well. The NHL got these mega TV deals. And they're doing a fraction um, whether you're talking total viewership or even the, the that coveted 18 to 49 demo, they got huge TV deals more even than uh, more than AEW, but less than WWE. When they're doing a fraction of the demo and total viewership that AEW does, so these TV deals are not going away for both companies, but especially for WWE, and they're definitely going to get bigger and bigger. So uh, the only thing that can happen at some point and we've talked about the sale really the best thing for nbc universal or one of these big companies the best thing that they could do really is make vince and nick Khan an offer because 
it may not happen now. It may not happen in five years. I wouldn't be surprised in the next five to ten if one of these major networks, whether it's Disney, NBC, Fox, is the one that's going to end up owning and running WWE because that's the only way that they're not going to hemorrhage money on these, these TV deals is to actually own the content and the property and the talent contracts themselves. So I'm just going to put a bow on it. Yeah. That. I mean, I'm a hundred brand. I'm actually driving through, uh, like mountains right now. So if I lose you guys, I apologize. Um, you can still hear me, right? Yeah, yeah we got you. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing <laughs> you're right, right? Like at this point, um, I, the, the main thing that you, I, take from that. that Anyone who also says, oh, AEW is losing money, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're an early stage business and they're probably going to get a hell of a television deal at some point, right? Because all the things that hold true true for you, I think, because there's just more content on that network. There's more reasons to um, subscribe to a WWE, uh, you know, like network. But at the same time, I think it's healthy for AEW because I think they're going to be able to be around and they're probably going to be able to figure out a way to make some good money soon. So, look, the reality is just the most fascinating part about WWE the interview of Pritchard the other day. There was like a, a, a quote that he, that he came out with that I just found so insane where he says, that Vince McMahon is going to run this company for another 24 to 40 years and then references Vince McMahon's mom being 105 years old, which just like kind of says everything about what it must be like to work for the man. It's like you're doing an interview and you're like, oh, no, not only is he going to run this company for the next 25 years, he's going to live until 110 years old. Like, it's, you kind of just look at it and you say, and like there are just things where you look at it and you say, all right, like this is probably just as nuts as it actually seems. Um, and so the product I see put out there is the product of what is probably a – was already a, a pretty wild in the head, uh, you know, 50 to 55-year-old, and now he's at the age where no one should be running a company. Um, and we're going to get to watch it play out. So, I mean, to me, that is probably the best part about WWE, but I don't really know if that's like a, a reason to watch it. That's a reason to listen to podcasts about it. I'm not really sure if that's a reason mm-hmm. to watch it on a weekly basis. No. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that, that's for sure, Tom. I, I mean, you know, please continue. If you've dropped listen, if you've dropped watching WWE, and I've heard from a lot of people on this podcast and on Twitter that they've just stopped watching WWE outright, you can always continue to get your news by listening to podcasts like this one and our Torch family of podcasts. <laughs> if you're not a member of the Torch www.pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Tom, thank you for leading me right into that plug. <laughs> no problem. But really, I mean, I re- I think the new version to a bunch of podcasts about the WWE. Oh, we're, we're, the we're losing Tom in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> I lose you. Yeah, you're going in and out, Tom. All right, am I better now for a sec, or? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. No? Okay. No, I think my main point was that uh, podcasts are how I keep up on, you know, like WWE now, because when I was watching the actual Rumble, it was like a series of me going, 
oh, that's who Rick Boogs is? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> It was like, it was a bunch of that. So, I mean, I'd obviously heard that name a trillion times through podcasts and things like that, but I'd never seen the man's face, which is pretty interesting to know, like, the whole storyline he's in. But then when you actually see these guys in the Rumble, you're like, my God, this roster, (laughs) what is going on here? I mean, uh, who was the other? Oh, Mad Cat Moss. I just, for some reason, like, didn't fully realized that Rick Boogs and Madcap Moss were different people, even though I knew. But when I actually saw them be two different people, it was like, wow, that's that's nuts. <laughs> so it was, it was just, it was an eye-opening experience, I'll say. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure for someone who only follows the product on podcast, it was you, you saw a lot of new uh, new talent there. So, uh, Tom, do you have anything else for us tonight? Nah, that's it, guys. Thank you. Keep up the good work. All right. Thank, thanks for the call. Good talking to you, and thanks for listening for so long. Really appreciate, uh, really appreciate that. Um, Tony, uh, that uh, ends our show for tonight. Thanks for staying a little longer with me. Um, I know you don't have anything to plug right now, but where should we pay attention <laughs> on social media to plug your next uh, wrestling writing adventure? Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Tony Donofrio, T-O-N-Y-D-O-N-O-F-R-I-O. Uh, Greg has tagged me various times in the last three to four days. Um, and, Greg, for your information, it's Donofrio or Donofrio. Um, it's technically both. Both are correct. One's an American version. One's an Italian version. As long as you say either one of those, I'm good with that. Different members of my oh, family. Oh, thank God. Because, you, because when, you just said, when you just said your Twitter handle out loud, I'm like, oh, my God, have I been pronouncing his name wrong all of these years? So thank you. Well, you thank you for, for making that clarification. <laughs> it, it's certain. It's like my entire life, it has not bothered me in the least bit. Depending on which member of my family you talk to, though, it would offend them. But um, oh. they're not wrestling fans, so you don't have to worry about that. Oh, wonderful. That's that's good to know. Thank you, Tony, and, and thank you for uh, stopping by here tonight. It was a blast to have you on again, and uh, we'll line you up again soon. Sounds great. Thank you. Yep. And uh, don't forget, next weekend is our Elimination Chamber slash uh, Impact um, No Surrender preview show. So you'll want to call in with your questions and email us, WNIALivecast at gmail.com anytime during the week, and we'll get to that question on the show next week. You can follow me on Twitter at Greg M. Parks. I am Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Greg Parks. And don't forget to tune in next Sunday, because if it's Sunday, it's Wrestling Night in America. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com. 
But first, guys, listen up. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you. This V-Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code WADE20, that's WADE20, for 20% off plus free shipping. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped comes with the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. And get this, the trimmer's advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks. It even has a 4,000K LED spotlight, so you can shave anywhere your heart desires. And did I mention it's waterproof too? This package also includes the Weed Whacker, which is a nose and ear hair trimmer. Trust me, if you've got hairs growing out of your nose, people are scared to mention it, but you ought to be trimming it. And Manscaped has you covered. Also, two free gifts. Their Shed Travel Bag and Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs to keep your boys stored comfortably. And to complete the perfect package for your package are liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Start your day off with the deodorant for your boys, then stay cool all day with toner to keep you feeling your best all day and night. And don't forget to smell good all over. The Manscaped Refined Cologne will complement your collection with smell perfection. Manscaped created their products for a night just like this. So go to manscaped.com for our exclusive 20% offer and free shipping with the code WADE20. Enter that at checkout and get 20% off. The performance package right now is on sale. You'll knock another 20% off of that and you get all those free bonuses with it. I have tried this product. I endorse this product. It is well made. There's a great fit and finish. You feel safe down there when taking care of business. It's different than anything else I've used. It takes some of the anxiety and stress out of male grooming. So check it out. Go to manscaping.com and pick out the Performance Package 4.0 or any of the other offers that they have and get 20% off plus free shipping. That's manscaped.com. Enter coupon code WADE20.